You know, folks, when Bobby came up with this format and concept all on his own, I remember thinking to myself, one day we'll do a Terry Funk episode. We're going to have an absolute wow of a time, you know? And here we are. It's the 30th of June, Terry Funk's birthday. Definitely a thing that wasn't a happy accident and actually we planned for, definitely. Um, we're very fired up. Biggest episode yet, in my view. The match list is crazy this week. We have a lot to get into. Bobby, I just mentioned that you came up with this very show, so I'll throw it to you first. How are you doing tonight, pal? I'm doing well, man. Uh, you know, watch all these matches earlier today. Enjoyed all of them. Uh, really excited to get into it. Uh, a guy that I'd probably seen the least of, of uh, the guys that mm -hmm. we've done so far, and uh, just really eye-opening. We'll kind of get into it more you know, as we go throughout, but uh, yeah. That's part of what makes this episode so interesting to me, and we're going to get into this more as we go, but Terry Funk is a guy who everyone knows of, but I think people will be surprised how many fans have actually not seen very much of, which mm -hmm. we will kind of explore as we go here. The Oracle of Wrestling, I know you've mm -hmm. seen much Terry Funk. Fired up for tonight, pal? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I've seen I've seen Terry, you know, I've uh, met Terry Funk. God bless. Uh, my dad grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico uh, in the 60s. So you can imagine what territory wrestling he was watching. That mm -hmm. was Amarillo, um, which had the Funks, of course, uh, West Texas. Um, and uh, basically, that was his favorite wrestler growing up. Um, my oldest brother, Dylan, became a wrestling fan in the mid-'80s and Later on in 89 with the Funk Flair feud, which we will cover here this evening. Um, yes. Funk became one of his favorites, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, lots of lots of lots of good Terry Funk viewing stories in my home. Uh, that's true. Um, <laughs> when he showed up on Raw in 2006 and called McFoley's wife a whore and said the WWS sucked. To get Mick mad was incredible. We all began cheering when Terry came out, and yeah, living room erupted in cheers that night on Monday. That 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 great Monday night. Um, we were very upset when he left in that tag at, at one night stand two, and then when he came back, we cheered wildly. Uh, Terry Funk is the greatest professional wrestler who ever lived. Um. We will talk about him <laughs> deeply and proudly tonight. Well, that was just the intro. Okay, I'm fired up. All right, um, English Draws has resubscribed Prime. We appreciate you, brother. Twitch went crazy last night about Dynamite show, so um, we appreciate you guys joining us all the time. Alex, I know you're on board with this this Terry Funk loving. How are you doing tonight, pal? Good. Thank you again for having me, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. I enjoy doing this. Excited to talk about Terry Funk. Uh, Oracle, Devin, I don't know if that was intentional, but that was like a tribute to Terry Funk and the closing of uh, Forever Hardcore when he's talking about turning down Vince, just the way your cadence of speaking. You just, you know, it's um, it's a good amount of money, but not what um, The Undertaker or Triple H would make. Uh, no, Terry Funk, man, it's... I was trying to remember, we've talked about on past episodes, like our first memories and Terry's been around, like as long as I remember watching wrestling, Terry's been there and he's always been great. And that's just my, the way my brain works is just like, to me, it's commonly accepted knowledge that he, you have to consider him one of the greatest ever. So I'm, I'm excited about this discussion. Uh, and the, 
the matches we're covering here are all around. I mean, it speaks to his ability and basically everything he was capable of that they are just kind of so all over the place. So looking forward to it. Fired up to be here. Yeah, there's a lot of range. Um, before we get into it, I want to quickly, I like to kind of look back at what was. We did Regal last month. If you haven't seen that, go check out on the YouTube channel now. Regal, that weekend, was... I guess he wasn't ringside for that, or even on commentary, but he was kind of associated with the Anarchy in the Arena match last night with Blood and Guts. Regal had a very relevant month. Now, I'm assuming, based on what we know, Terry's not going to make another comeback in the coming month. But um, He's wrestling Gresham yeah. at Death Before Dishonor. Well, that would be, that'd be quite the title, wouldn't it? Let me tell you. <laughs> so, um, but here's his birthday, so we'll, we'll get straight into Terry Funk here. Before we do, actually, I feel I should. We talked about it a little bit before the show, Alex, but I want to give you a quick chance. You were at the Forbidden Door. Um, you know, dress up your opinions however you would like to. I understand this can be quite a tough crowd, you know. Yeah. Um, Bob gets a lot of, you know, he gets a lot of stick. But have fun at the Forbidden Door, pal. Yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, I mean, I yeah, I don't want confirmed shoot to come into my home and kill me, so I'll keep my, my thoughts brief. But, no, it was fun. It was, Like I was telling you, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. The crowd loved it, and, you know, it – made it more fun being a lively crowd. I had a good time. I sang along the Judas, uh, loved, um, I had a good time with Bill Ospreay and orange Cassidy. And it was, it was like when I was sitting there before the show started, I was like, this is weird being at a show mm -hmm. at this big of arena with a sold out crowd. And it's not for WWE like that. Yeah. That was the first day I've been to AEW shows before, but never to that like level. So mm -hmm. that was kind of a, a moment of realization. And yeah, it was fun. Chicago is a great town. I, can't wait to go back I had a good time there and uh the um for as i told you for all the the curse and the bumps along the way with that show it turned out to be a pretty good night of pro wrestling it is worth noting that you were there for what i think is genuinely one of the best wrestling crowds i've ever like heard it was unbelievable that crowd was hot the whole time like at home i'm sure in your section there was more times with people but it was unbelievable the way it came through on on tv so mm -hmm. Uh, congrats, I guess, right? Congrats, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like literally me and um, uh, some of my friends were sitting like the way that works there is different than a lot of arenas. Like there's a concourse in the upper deck that they don't really monitor. So you can just chill and stand there. And so mm -hmm. like, yeah, it would be kind of just talking and bullshitting. But I remember specifically when uh, Sting no sold the super kicks, like oh, everyone was just like, ah, yeah, it was great. That was the hard camera shot that people standing up. That was unbelievable. Great, great moment. Um, all right. Let's talk some Terry Funk. Now, Oracle, you did a fabulous job of – you kind of did this like monologue type with your with your uh, greeting of the day. So I'll start with Bobby here because Bobby's the least experienced of Terry Funk. We always kick these shows off with just a kind of overview of your experience, Terry Funk, when you first saw them, so on and so forth. And we've kind of done that to some degree. But Bobby, you are not really well-versed. So before this experience, what did you know of Terry Funk? Do you have any memories of watching him? Was there any times when you were watching WWE TV that he showed up, so on and so forth? Yeah, the, the 2006 stuff Oracle talked about with, uh, you know, setting up to One Night Stand, which I, I watched a match a couple days ago, actually. It's still very good. Um, so that was kind of it. Like, uh, the Legends of Wrestling games he was in, so uh, I kind of got exposure through those to, you know, some of the non-WWE guys. Um, and then, you know, I would have some of the DVDs, like the like 15th Anniversary Raw or whatever, Attitude Era stuff. So I had familiarity with the Chainsaw Charlie stuff. But yeah, in terms of matches, like... I definitely had probably only seen, you know, four or five before today. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It pops me that you're only doing the show, but I'm genuinely interested. 
what percentage of the people you regularly interact with on Twitter do you think have seen more Terry Funk matches than you? Because I think it's a lot lower than people would assume. Yeah, in terms of people that I... If, I don't think he's like someone that you've seen a lot of. You know, you yeah. kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Probably like... Oh, you guys have, obviously, but probably like 25% of people. Yeah, that was just my way of kind of calling out Bob's mutuals, really. It weren't really anything yeah, to be gained from that. I just kind of went out. <laughs> take the opportunity to take your shot. No, I'm missing. Um, for me personally, and I've talked about kind of my pro wrestling fandom timeline before, I don't think I have any real-time experience of Terry Funk. I genuinely don't think I was ever watching a show in real time that Terry Funk was on, involved with, so on and so forth, beyond him doing that weird skit with uh, with, with Ambrose, right? Yeah. And, oh, um, my God. I completely indeed. forgot about that. Yeah, and then he had that match with Brock. That's another story for another day. Um, but he's definitely a guy who, the further you go but into his kind of catalog, the more you appreciate him, right? I think the general, and I don't really like this necessarily, and we'll talk about it. The general memory of Terry Funk, I think, is like old man, hardcore legend, mm-hmm. which is cool, but feels like greatly unfair to who he was before that, you know? Um so when you start, for me, a big thing, and I'll get into it more, but with Funk Flair, that's like probably one of my favorite angles programs ever. Um, and then going back a decade prior to that. And then you kind of, the more of Terry Funk you watch, the more of the charm of him becomes endearing. Like his weird quirks and the way he sells becomes like iconic. And you're, I think if someone's seen less, like Bob will probably give us examples of this. There's some weird shit Terry Funk does. Like you have to be like familiar with Terry to truly love Otherwise, it's just weird shit. But once you love it, brother, it's like it's an addiction. So um, that's me personally. Alex, you talked about it a little bit in terms of as long as you remember he's been around. But just kind of, you know, detail that journey a little bit for your own fandom. So I think um, a good uh, analogy and comparison is what the word I was looking for there. A lot of people always said about like Jeff Jarrett in the mid to late 90s, how he was just kind of like fluid. He'd be in WWF one week, WCW the next week. Then eventually end up in TNA, that type of thing. That was like Terry for me when I was a kid was like, I never knew where he was going to be. And he, WCW, ECW, WBF, he was always bouncing around. And he was one of the wrestlers that like, I legitimately thought was crazy as a kid. I had um, Slamboree 94 on VHS. And I watched that so many times, you know, before the days of Peacock and the WWE Network, you had to work with what you had. So I watched that. And he wrestles, um, <laughs> I think, Tully Blanchard on that show. Yes, but, totally like, yeah. by the end of it, he, like, there's a part where he goes in the crowd. And this is long before I knew Hat Guy. But he takes Hat Guy's hat and he elbows mm-hmm. it. And then he hits Tully with a branding iron. And then, like, the refs and doctors are acting like they're really mad at him and to stay away. And I was just like, man, this dude's crazy. And then Chainsaw Charlie, even as, like, it would have been. 10 or you know 11 I was like that's terry funk like why why are they calling him chainsaw charlie and then by wrestlemania they were just like he's terry funk again and just <laughs> like he all he always seemed old to me and like then when i got the internet and learned about like he he was in ecw and learning about all that and seeing the crazy shit he did and then you know by 2000 he was one of my favorites and that yeah. he was uh so give me some slack on the second half here. Cause I was, I was 13. Keep in mind, but his, his hardcore matches and Vampiro were the reasons yeah. I still watched WCW in 2000. I wanted to see what Vampiro was doing. And then I wanted to see Terry Funk's crazy ass hardcore matches. I think on one of the grin grapplers I plugged, 
at uh, Super Brawl 2000. Him and Flair have this insane like I quit match. That <laughs> yes. is not 2000. WCW did not deserve it at all. And so, uh, yeah, by like, I was still a little kid. And he was already like one of my all time favorites. And then getting older and dipping more into his Japan work. And uh, have have we all seen Beyond the Mat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. Because he's a major part of that too. And that kind mm-hmm. of instilled a lot of my love for him. Just the he he's such a simple man when the doctor's trying to tell him your knee's shot and he's like but will i be able to live comfortably and the doctor's <laughs> like no you shouldn't be doing that now <laughs> exactly so uh i was really happy uh, i was in college and firmly ensconced in my big mark roh phase so i didn't really watch wwe but when i heard he was coming back i was like i i will watch this and as y'all both said it was that tag match that one match you had was fantastic and Mm -hmm. uh i think as we'll learn here he may be one of the definitive wrestlers you can go to of any era uh because he's been wrestling since what the 60s and it's like this is good and he gets what he's doing with the modern audience it's um it's a career unlike any other truly and i think you know you mentioned the kind of use the jeff jarrett comparison and it's like for in terms of his fluidity you know within promotions obviously it's kind of wild to think about that. Even as deep in his career as he was there, where he's like 50, he's he's in his 50s. He genuinely has like an incredible experience of the late 90s boom. Mm-hmm. Like he's there for like ECW's artistic peak. He's there for Mania 14, which is like, that's when the boom really begins, right? And you know, commercially. And then he's there for the ultimate downfall of WCW. And it's like, <laughs> dude's in his 50s, man. Like that's not his era. He's, he's 20 years removed from his era in some ways. So... It and he was always, yeah, and he was always really smart about like just not overstaying his welcome anywhere, yeah. which like a Roddy Piper type thing. And I, I was watching the '97 Rumble the other day. I forgot he's in that. He was in the oh, Royal yes. Rumble at the Alamo Dome two months before he won the ECW title on their first pay per view. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, he had uh, a unique set of circumstances. That's the one where he does the famous segment on um, uh, it, Shotgun Saturday Night with Austin, yeah. yes, which is one yeah. of the greatest segments of all time. Which is another where he says the, the phrasing that you used earlier, where he brings that back out again. Remember that? Vince gets very concerned about it. He's kind of oh, pro. Yeah. I think it's Todd. I can't remember who it is. And he does the – he says a familiar line, and Vince Man is not feeling too good about what he said there on, the, on national TV, but it fucking rules. Um, the Alamo Dome ramp, the last point I wanted to make, it was just Terry. Yeah. He's coming out just doing his small jaunt, but it takes him 10 <laughs> minutes to get to the ring because the, the ramp's so long. <laughs> and that's a perfect example of like a Terry Funk thing that if you watch just a little bit, will pop you. Like his little <laughs> – way he comes out. Got the towel in his hand just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> truly wild at core um oracle again you did a wonderful job earlier but just kind of you know best you can add any other details to your own fandom and its experience with terry funk uh i like the hardcore matches on like thunder nitro whenever i was watching wcw 2000 when i was a kid norman smiley match is always a favorite of mine um he's just i think the the, uh, the spring stampede 2001 right is is that the match i can't remember yeah, I don't um, know. Stampede's the restart show, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so. Um, As a banger sting Booker T match for what it's worth. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Just, I don't know. It was just, he was just somebody, like, I constantly heard about all the time, you know, growing up with my dad and Dylan, and then uh, seeing those flare matches in 89. Um. 
watching, uh, just kind of following along with the footage with the footage explosion in 08, 09, and afterwards. Um, yeah, I mean, just like all, just like getting to see all that stuff. Like he's got a match with Martel in Puerto Rico. That's just amazing. Um, there's a part where he did like clucks like a chicken. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> but he, he, even, even his stuff in like 85, 86 WWF, where he's like wrestling Hogan, and like having good matches around the loop with Hogan and like, uh, the WrestleMania two tag is fun. Yeah. Um, with uh, JYD in it. I mean, he's just, he's, he's killing it, man. Like, and of course his, his stuff in, in Japan is legendary and, and, and we'll get to, we'll get to talk about one of those performances, which was just remarkable. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's just he's at minimum an all time great, and and really, like I said, in a lot of ways, he's he's the best ever. Absolutely, we're just getting to it. Act one, we have it straight back to here. Oracle. We start now. The way to do this, we generally we do kind of portions of people's careers. With Terry Funk, we've just done seventies, eighties, nineties. Incredibly, that still doesn't cover it all, but it's the best we could do. So we're starting in the seventies. Our first match is 76, and it's six months into his NWA title reign. So, Oracle, if we start there, best you can, kind of set the scene. People that aren't familiar don't know, that maybe watched the matches or even didn't. Mm-hmm. Who is Terry Funk in 1976? He's a very different version than they may have, you know, seen in WWE clips and such. Um, 76, Terry's more of a technical... Mechanic, as uh, Steve Austin used the word, yeah, yeah traditional-oriented uh, wrestler. Um, he's the NWA World Champion at this time, mm-hmm. uh, and this is right around the time the footage, like a lot of footage, starts to come up. So we don't have a lot of Terry for the first yeah. fifteen years or so of his career. Um, so this is kind of the seventy-six is kind of the first year where you kind of get. It's kind of right. right at his at his peak as NWA champion. Um, he also has a, has a has a great great match with Chavo Chavo Guerrero Senior uh, around this time. Um, but he's just you know much more of a of a, of a uh, traditional wrestler. Um, definitely works kind of seventy styles mat wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, he's charismatic, but you know it's kind of somewhat toned down. Uh, at least yeah. in this match, he's he's kind of being the heel gaijin here, and not not necessarily the. Uh... He's more like sportsman here too, mm-hmm. right? correct? Like the world's mm-hmm. champ, you know, which is right. I mean that right. was the normal. Exactly, that's that, that's that's definitely normal. Yeah, he was, he was, you know, just your your uh, traditional, um, you know, basically NWA style mechanic yeah. technical wrestler. Um, as 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 he and Dory kind of get. You know, we'll see in the '79 match. Mm-hmm. They become a bigger babyface tag team, and Terry's charisma just comes through. Yeah, they kind of go further apart in an incredible way. way. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. It's very, very interesting. Um, so we're starting with 1976, as I said. NWA World Title Line. It's two out of three falls with Jumbo Saruta. Now, Bobby, you texted something that's very interesting today. You said. You were, you were amazed by how modern the match was. And that intrigued me because I think I know what you mean. But it's fair to say this is, in terms of pacing, very much a 70s match. But the quality of work is so extreme that I think I get where you're coming from. Bobby, speak to that a little bit and speak to 
the match in general again we're starting here with Terry Funk, Jumbo Sruga. We'll be getting to it, pal. Yeah, that was a great match. Um, you know, my problem with some of the older matches is like, you know, guys will grab a hold and just sit there for two minutes. And they did that a little bit here, but like there was a lot of action in between as well. Like you don't get a ton of action in between in a lot of the older matches you watch. Um Especially once it gets going, like, you know, leading up to the first fall, I, I wasn't expecting to see a sunset flip. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it just uh, a lot of stuff in it. And, like, you know, I saw, like, oh, it's 35 minutes or whatever. I don't know how much I'm going to like this. But it, it flies by. It does feel kind of modern, like, maybe not, like, present day, but definitely a lot different than some of the older matches I've seen. There is certainly a... You know, it always like kind of sticks to me. Like whenever I rewatch this match, I remember it almost beat for beat because pacing wise, it really takes you on a ride, right? It uses mm-hmm. the two out of three full step to really take these big swings in pace up and down. Um, it is worth noting before we carry on here too, the pre-match presentation. This like version of wrestling is unmatched. I'm sorry. Okay, I know that makes me sound this shit is fucking rules. Someone actually try to recreate this, they never will, they're cowards, but it fucking rules, it's great. Um yeah, it's, Makes it seem uh, like a real sport. And that, I think, Alex, I think you and I have enough overlap in our interest that we get why that pops us especially, right? But it's yeah. like, and I know why people want wrestling to be not that, but it would be good if one promotion really nailed it. Nonetheless, Alex, I'll go to you. Um, what did you think of this one, pal? That was David Crockett, right, who held up the NWA title at the beginning? Yeah, and he he had a real challenge with San Jumbo's name. It was something, man. He, yeah. he stumbled a little bit. He really... He went for it, though. He did his best. <laughs> I just love he, he made the 13-hour flight just to hold up the belt. But uh, Jumbo, Oracle, I was trying to remember what I was looking at. He he was Tommy Saruta originally, and they renamed him, right? Because Tommy didn't sound tough enough. That, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, it was great. I This is still before Jumbo really came into his own sure. in a lot of ways. Um, he had some great NWA title match. If you've never seen his match with Kerry Von Erich for the NWA title, that's probably mm-hmm. Kerry's best match ever. But um, Terry, man, just that young, good-looking cat, you know, for uh, comparatively speaking, and he's there and just in that traditional wrestling gear and the crowd, the crowd is so into what's going on. I love watching the old Japanese matches. Um, yeah. We'll talk about the one coming up, but then like, it reminded me of a lot of like the the crush gals or the, the crowds like stomping on their feet and just like moving up and down in the background. And it's um, as hot as crowds can be. The passion that those fans had for some of like the guy gene and their locals that they loved were just like insane. Um, you guys called out the sunset flip pin. I was a big fan of that. There's a point in the match where Jumbo gives Terry an arm ringer and he just like completely pancakes flat. And I, I, I don't know why, but I popped huge for that. There was a couple of things that looked brutal in this match too. The the eventual finish um, is like a stun gun, and it looks mm-hmm. devastating. And there's a point too in the match where like Saruta is like sitting up, and Terry like he's vertical like on his on his ass, and Terry splashes down in his spine. And I was just like, dude, it's fake, brother. Calm down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um. There's something oddly tranquil also about watching these old Japanese matches from the 70s and early 80s of like, I, it, that probably makes me sound psychotic, but I find it relaxing like in a no, weird way. Yeah. It's just like, especially because you can find such high quality versions of these matches and it's just, it's just such a treat to watch. And with Terry, and I think, you know, you did a good job of crafting 
his eras and iterations. And it's like here he's just he's wrestler Terry. You know, he's here mm-hmm. and he, he knows the fundamentals and he has to do what he has to do to, to win. But still, there's yeah. no underhandedness at any point. And it's just like um, you can also see in the crowd. They're obviously pulling for Jumbo, but you can see that Japanese crowd is really starting to take to him. And that would go to like massive heights yeah. in the years to come. Yeah, the next one we're going to do is like insane. It's one of the most unique matches, but you know we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, the spot I always remember this, and honestly, calling it spots are dumb anyway. But the thing I always remember about this match is the deal with the, um, you know, where Terry has both of Jumbo's arms, and they begin to turn, and their heads are like, you know, clashing almost, and they're turning and turning. Terry gets it back, and the crowd kind of exhales, and they come up again. I can't recall. Any other wrestling match getting that much out of something so simple. And it's like drama. Like it's genuinely dramatic and exciting. And they're doing nothing at that point. It's um some of the mat wrestling stuff is like, and that's why I think Bobby's used to term modern. Like some of that shit's really tight in a way that that um kind of like you know shines through the screen and like is is very impressive in that regard. Oracle. Uh, I remember when we were putting the matches together. And you were always great assistance, but I remember I'd be saying to you, like, we need the jumbo. I remember I was, I mean, it was like, there's one thing I, that I was going to die on. Yeah. Match fucking rules, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great, great match. Um, just, you know, really, really, in, you know, in a lot of ways, your classic 70s styles match. Um, but like with some, you know, surprising elements, as, as, as Bobby pointed out, the sunset flip, Terry does a drop kick on the floor, which popped me at one point. Um, yeah. That that stuff where they were fighting over the backslide or whatever, that was insane. Like that was just mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and just like the the crowd just kind of like goes with the with the momentum of, of the of the hold but it's just it's a, it's amazing to watch. Um yeah, this was this was just a really strong um you know, Matt Matt classic in a lot of ways. Um the rolling cradle. I always pop for that. Um, well, you're a big fan of the election. That was that was that was a big '70s staple, and 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 uh, believe uh, I believe Terry used it right at one point. Yes. When the, that, it's one the second, second fall, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just I I I love that movie. Yeah, this was this was this was a really strong match. Great match. So Oracle, uh, years later, when Samoa Joe used that against AJ Styles, that I believe it was Sacrifice 05. Were, were you going nuts? Was it was a young Oracle? Oh, so yeah. happy about what was happening, oh, yeah. dude! Oh, yeah. That match fucking rules, by the way, doesn't it? Yes, it Sacrifice does. So far. Tito's a ref. I don't know if uh, anyone on here has ever talked about it, but Samoa Joe had a hell of a 2005. I'll tell you that right now. No way. We should do a green grapper <laughs> about him, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, say that for another day. Sounds good. Sounds like a good podcast. The the often undiscussed 2005 of Samoa Joe. We should be the ones that explore it finally. <laughs> Um, one of the things that I found interesting about this match too, they both target the arm, right? But it's very different the way they do it and the way they sell. Like Jumbo is like persistent and kind of like, he's just an athlete trying to gain an advantage. Terry is vicious when he goes for Jumbo's arm. It is like, it's violent and it's aggressive and it's desperate. And in the same way, when they're selling, Jumbo is wrestling for an escape. Terry, at one point, when his arms getting work, just starts like chopping him, like just get the fuck off me. And they're the little things to me. That's what wrestling storytelling is like. That's the fun stuff, right? Because that's who they are as people as wrestlers. Like we all said, Terry Funk at this point is more traditional and conventional, but he's still Terry Funk to some degree, and he's still that kind of 
that edge that's intriguing. We'll get into more, but a great, great match. I think they use the, the two out three falls deal uh, fabulously. I love that the third fall is like this kind of both guys feel exhausted, but Jumbo gets so fired up and feels like it's right in front of him that he kind of costs himself. Right? It's the perfect veteran win the way he, with the um, deal on the rope. So, fabulous match. I don't want to take away from what Jumbo did here because. I mean, he's also one of the great wrestlers, especially later in his career. But I will say, to me, this is like the Terry Funksha. He's unbelievable in this match, man. He's so good. And he just adds so much depth to him. He does. Great, great match. Um, but with what's up next, I think it quickly kind of falls to the backdrop of Act 1 because this was something. Okay. Now, I had seen this before, but I, for whatever reason, because they, they had a few of these matches, right? This is mm-hmm. the one with the finish, Oracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you said it, I was like, yeah, I think and I, I kind of got mixed up. December 1979, he is with Dory. They're against Abdullah and Sheik. And this is the match here, and there's all these matches you should watch. But if you've never seen this match, this is like – this is a fever dream. This is insanity. This is one of the great spectacles in wrestling history. And um, Terry Funk is in a very different place in December 1979. Oracle – um, lay this whole thing out and then go into your opinion on it because I know you messaged me, fired up. This is something else, isn't it? Okay, so the Funks were basically, particularly Terry. Yeah. Dory's look popped me here, by the way. Incredible um, look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Terry was just special, t- a special kind of over. It's just, it's it's hard to get that over. Yep. And he was that over and they can't even get into the ring. Mm-hmm. Terry's like the, the crowd is mauling. Terry's just bursting out laughing, just laughing hysterically as everybody's just hugging him because it's just Terry, you know, he's just, ah, uh, you know, uh, uh. they get in the ring. She can Abby come out. And it's hysteria, dude. It is hysteria. Oh, <laughs> people are shrieking out of terror yes. and, at one point, a fan like gets in Sheik's face, so Sheik just starts going after them. Up, up. there's a guy Abby who like throws something at Sheik. He like throws like he crumples yes, up paper, yeah, you're right. and then Sheik just turns and looks at him, and you can see like from the camera these people just like spreading, like running yeah. in the bulls. It's nuts. <laughs> and like, so they, you know, this is because I think I believe this is a real world tag league final. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's the final. Um. Because I show clips before of, of, of the tag league. And uh, of course, there's, you know, this amazing sports style kind of early match stuff. And you get to see the Mil Mascaris in the suit. Uh, there there's go. no better yep. wrestling aesthetic than a luchador with a mask and a suit. That That's yeah, like, was... yeah. Yeah, he's Mill, Mill somebody. Gosh, we should, we should cover him on here. What Mill a... was old here, man. Yeah, that's true. Um, this match. I mean, we don't get very far in it before Abby pulls out the fork. No, we do not. 90 seconds. And <laughs> let me tell you. First of all, the fire Terry brings. Oh, yeah. I mean, just he is just throwing haymakers and just going crazy. Abby and Sheik are doing their legendary foreign object stuff. Terry gets in the corner. 
because I think I think Abby and I think Abby gets busted open early, right? Because yes. of course he does. You know that's that's his yeah. gimmick. No way. So, <laughs> in one of the great spots in the history of wrestling, refs getting distracted by she. I, 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 it could be that way around. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Abby. Correct me if I'm wrong. Abby gets a fork and literally attempts to cut off Terry's ear. Mm-hmm. Yes. With a fork. Yes. And in one of the great uncomfortable cell jobs of all time, Terry begins shrieking in terror. Yes, he does. And the crowd does along with him. And this place is literally losing their minds. Mm-hmm. Loud Terry chants. Very loud Terry chants. <laughs> yeah, very, very loud. loud Terry chants. You know, at one point, Dory comes in and, you know, throws some uppercuts. Um, <laughs> you know, gets gets busted a little bit. Yeah. We're not doing uh, that green grab block. <laughs> Terry, now, you have to yeah. because he's the only guy in the history of the Royal Rumble match that was applying ad- abdominal stretches and arm ringers to try to eliminate people. <laughs> I forgot about that shit. Oh, Dory, what a legend himself. Um, just first of all. I should point out in the early exchanges, Terry and Abby are in the ring and Terry has these incredible cells of Abby's punches where he's like, well, when he hits him in the throat and Terry takes yeah, a face bump and Terry's like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Amazing. God, it's just like, it's quirky, but it's, it's just so awesome. And he does these great, like when he gets like a big shot from Abby, he does these great, like tree stump yeah. cells where he falls over. Just amazing. And, not only is Terry bleeding from the ear, he fires up and kits back and just the mat and just like the, the, the mm-hmm. venom that comes out of Terry when he, when he starts coming back, it's just incredible. And when they get the weapon and, off Sheik and they go oh, work. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the crowd is just losing their minds. And then Terry's got this mean, you know, he's got this mean punch. Well, they're going to try to isolate that and get that out of there. Yeah. So they start going after his hand, that stabbing his hand, and he's got like a basically a stigmata hand, and he's like selling it, and like very believably so. I'm not Abby, sure how much like, selling that was. He like rips across his like forearm and hand. It's insane yeah. looking. Mm-hmm. He looks incredible. Just, his selling is just through the roof. Um, just an unbelievable one of the greatest performances you'll ever see. Yeah. Just the total spectacle. The crowd is losing their mind. They're shrieking when Terry's getting stabbed with the fork. Like every 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 moment she grabs out the fork is like it's it's like a horror movie. It's it's genuinely gross, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, it's 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 just it's both it's gross, but also engrossing at the same time, right? Yes, like it's, absolutely. It's, it's like you can't look away. And of course, it leads to the finish, and the post match is incredible. Um, Mm-hmm. You get like yes. you can have I think Dory moves out of the way and they hit each other or or, or she or one of the other hits somebody with one object. Funks get the yeah. win, and then uh, she gets mad at Abby and does the classic fireball. Just he just like stands up and throws a fireball. <laughs> That's the thing. There's no like deliberation or him like you know what should I do? He just fuck you. You cost me the match. Fireball in the face. I fucking rolled. He's like ten <laughs> seconds after the pin. Yeah. This was a classic, wasn't it? I mean, just an oh, incredible, fabulous. incredible match. It's um, unbelievable. One of my all-time favorites. Terry was just his selling and, and charisma and, and fire was just 
in the and how over he was. I mean, I'm not. I, I honestly in that. I I've not seen. I'm not sure. Maybe Austin in '98. I don't even know. He Austin over '98 went over like that. This was different, not in that man. type of emotional yeah. way. This was like, like Austin '98 was over. Like yeah, but like I don't know, man. That like, sometimes it's like that was like Crush Gals level stuff, it right? Was crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, All they I were crying for Terry. It was mm-hmm. it was incredible to watch. Great, 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 great match. By the way, I mean, you mentioned the great. Because uh, there's a lot of you know shenanigans with the refs back turn, sort of eyes looking different direction. It's it's quite the deal. But what about? I guess it's the de facto like cut off of the match, where the funks are kind of kicking ass and they do the distraction spot, and the sheet just like comes in and just beats the shit out of Dory with his work. Like that is fucking graphic, man. It's, it is again. I don't want to oversell, but like seriously, Joe, Joe makes a good comment too. Uh, about Terry's cell from the first punch after his hand got cut. Yes, incredible, yes, that rules. incredible. That, it's it's incredible. Um, yeah, I don't want to oversell it, but like if you've not seen any of these and you're just here to hang out and listen to us talk wrestling, do yourself over this one's. And it's not like going to keep you a long time. You'll be mm-hmm. trust me, you'll be hooked the whole time because it's fucking mm-hmm. nuts. It rules. Um, Bobby, I'm assuming this was quite the experience for you in a range of ways. I don't know how familiar you or how kind of ready you were for this, but what did you think of it? Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect going into it, and uh, it was awesome, man. You know, the crowd uh, just going crazy, and that that really kind of brought me into it right away. Like, okay, this is going to be something special. And then, uh, you know, once they brought the fork out, it was just like, all right, let's go. And uh, it's great stuff. Great stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Once they brought the fork out, let's go. My God, Bobby fired up. Um, Was you surprised, Bob, at the performance of? And this is about Terry Funk, but like. There's a perception of Abby that's like almost certainly fair. But in this match, he like you forget what he was at one point, you know? He takes like a fucking like Samoan drop deal at one point in this match in the shine yeah. just bumping around and stuff. Like that gets you off guard too. Yeah, a little bit, because I mean he's another guy that I'm not like super familiar with in terms of watching. Like obviously I've heard of him and I kind of know the lore around him. But yeah, this mm-hmm. was uh this is a little bit different than I expected from him. That's, that's the polite word for it, right? Law. Good call. <laughs> yeah. I like it. All right. <laughs> Alex, what did you think of this one, pal? Yeah, man, y'all covered a lot of it. When it opened yeah. up and you see the cheerleaders in the, the audience and then the big banner with the Japanese fans attempt in English about the Texas Bronco and shit mm-hmm. like that. It's just, yeah, it's it's different. It's, um, like you said, Crush Gals is something that comes to mind and some of like that just audience passion that, came along with some of that all japan women's shit and uh you know it, it it doesn't always have to be positive like stan hansen and some of that shit the way some of those foreigners were just worshipped in japan mm-hmm. is just something so fascinating yes. and you know uh we talked about it it might have been the last one or one, one before joe you and me just like there is a sense of like romanticism that's gone about Absolutely. guys going to Japan. Mm-hmm. And so seeing something like this is wild. The funks were just treated like gods. Uh, you guys, you just mentioned it. Uh, I always think of like um, WCW, like 92 WCW and beyond Abby, just yeah. walking, stab, walking, stab. So yeah. like when I see the and same with Sheik, like the majority of my Sheik stuff is like all the late matches he had with Bobo. And then, mm-hmm. um, like his shit in FMW. So seeing both of them work here is just insane. Like Abby's leaving his feet to do elbow drops. And I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, so that, 
that as much as anything, it took me a while to get over it in terms of just like how much I was enjoying it. I did pop so hard. Like there's a lot of blood in this match and everyone is very subtle except for the Sheik. Uh, there's a like Dory hits him and the Sheik just like on camera is just like, ah, <laughs> like, you know, just going to town on his forehead. And I, I was laughing really hard at that. But um, Detroit, baby. Cobo Hall, brother. That's what I did up there. Dory, you guys mentioned his look. That that dude was born old, man. That guy makes Harley Race look young. Like just how he had the little tuft of hair folded mm-hmm. forward, but he was bald on top. It's, you know, do what you got to do. Uh, something here that, you know, we always seem to come to this discussion of like, oh, well, it's not like this now. But it's, is there any wrestler today that people are scared of? Like, is there no. No. any, Absolutely there's a couple people that feel dangerous. Like, I think Eddie Kingston still has a really yeah. good presence about him that when he brawls and like, the, let's say he goes into the crowd or something. If I was like in the front row or second row and he was brawling towards me, I might get my shit and kind of like make sure I'm out yeah. of the way, that type of thing. But like we were just saying, the Sheik just looks at people and they flee in terror. It's uh, yeah. it's a pretty amazing piece of business that, uh, you know, that I, I, I hope, I hope someday we can get that back. Uh, it's um, People just, this is going to sound like the most like boomer take, which is not my intention, but like, Part of it is like everyone knows they're safe because, like, mm-hmm. no one. Like, I've seen heels in the last ten years do the gimmick where like you pull back your fist, and like mm-hmm. no one sells because it's like you don't want to punch me, dude. <laughs> like, I'm gonna that sue was, you, you know. <laughs> dude, that was yeah. It was before the days of like everyone had a camera in their hands, but that yeah. was like Super Dragon. People like would talk shit, and he would get up and just shove them, like push them down. And it's like, I, I understand you can't really do that anymore, but it, it does make for watching oh, stuff like this it's like holy shit and being the absolutely colossal mark i am for european uppercuts i love that that's like 80 percent of dory's offense he just comes in and like european uppercut and goes for it but like you're saying here it's um terry's performance in this it's especially with the places we'll go and his career has gone to mm-hmm. where like his selling and like his it basically becomes just an inconvenienced old man versus this where he's just like, ah, it's, <laughs> it's something to behold. I should have noted him. It's not quite the same, but Lance Archer, I don't know if you saw his work before he left Japan, but he very much made an attempt of channeling like Brody and Hanson. And he, he's going to be in the G1. So you might see him bring this stuff, but he used to like charge your fans and shit. And it wasn't I, the same, but he tried his best, you know? He would he would like come out and like spit water and just kind of charge yes. into the crowd and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I appreciated it. Him and mm-hmm. like DH Smith running around. But yeah. like yeah, Sheik and even um Terry Gordy, you can find clips online of Terry yeah. just like in all Japan jumping into the crowd and throwing chairs and it's <laughs> the old the best ones are the old Stan Hansen entrances where he oh, comes God. out whipping the cowbell around and That's people are crazy. just like scattering. Yeah. That's an it was over gotta do one day, by the way. Um yeah. There's a there's a part in Terry's book where he talks about and like you never know with wrestlers, right? But Terry's so sincere that God bless. I'm gonna just say it's true. He said that all the guy gin talent would treat the Japanese fans like shit, and they would like write mean stuff in English and like pop themselves and just be assholes. And Terry, because he's Terry, believes the only reason they liked him was because he was nice to people when they met him. Which <laughs> 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 fucking rules? Because these are big arenas and like. I assume not everyone in the building has met Terry Funk, but he's convinced that he was just like 
the first gaijin that was nice to the Japanese folk. So they just, they popped for him. I don't know, mate, it popped me. Um, also, quickly, as you mentioned the elbow, Abby, leave me speak for it. The reaction when Abby goes to the corner of the ring and signals he's going to do an elbow drop is like, that's wrestling, brother. That's that's art right there. It's, oh, uh, no. It's, like it's amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's just, you know, and Abby was already 20 years into his career at this point, and people <laughs> yeah. are still... I remember Bret Hart, when he said when, like, the first time Abby came through Stampede, when he was, like, a kid, he was, like, terrified of him. Yep. And you can tell when he comes out in the crowd and does all the blah, 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 like, people are... His boots, like when he just is booting Terry in the throat and the way Terry's selling it and the, the way people react to him, it's just, yeah. If, if all you've ever seen of Abby, like the first time I saw him was like on an XPW tape and I'm like, this is it, this big fat dude, just like with a fork. And so, but you watch this and you're like, okay, I get it. And I can also, his head was already like really gigged up yeah. at this point. And so. Man, those yeah, those those old like pictures of Abby in a full three piece suit in Japan, like eating sushi. I'm like, that's a pro wrestler right there, man. He, God bless. Yeah, have have you ever seen his Montreal stuff? I haven't. Mm-mm. Okay, so he was a, he was a, at one point, I believe he was a top babyface in Montreal. Guess what his theme song was? It's incredible. What's that? Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. <laughs> that's. And because I'm picturing him in like the the headdress and the fort coming out to fat bottom girls, <laughs> yeah, in, in, incredible shit. Incredible. That's great shit. That's great shit. Um, couple other things we didn't mention the visual of Terry biting Abdullah when he starts bleeding and like having oh my god, he's got the blood all over his like face, a vampire. Like he's, yeah. Which is, I mean, absolutely disgusting, but God, it rules. Um, Especially with what we know now about Abby. Right, I was like, exactly. no, Terry, back off, brother. <laughs> we're referring to it as law tonight, okay? Bobby, is t- that's what we're going to do tonight. It's law, okay? Um, you mentioned it. We talked about it last time, the romanticism of this stuff. Oracle, and I've said it to Oracle regularly on the green. It's like, it'd be really cool if Randy one at some point just worked a fucking tag league with, like, <laughs> like oh, Cody Rhodes oh, in 2008. Or the one I always said to Bobby is what if, like, you know, if wrestling was still good and Brock did one with like Shelton in 2004 because fuck it, wrestling, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are like the coolest things in Legends match catalogs. When you find out they did a tag league with like just some random partner. I mean, obviously it's not the case of Terry, but like, it's like DBSC when he teamed with fucking Stan Hansen. Yes. That rules, man. And New Japan's tag league isn't this, by the way. Or like, it's very different to what this old Japan tag league was, but. It's a shame. That's kind of a lost thing. But again, we all sound very old now, so we will uh, we will proceed to the eighties and modernize things. <laughs> there we go. Oh yeah. Before we do though, uh, Oracle, I'll ask you guys. I feel you're the the expert on this front. Any other match recommendation from the seventies? Just kind of a loose list for people that, that want to see more. Uh, the, cha- the the two that come to mind for me are the Chavo match from like it's like seventy seven or seventy eight or something like that. Right. Uh, somewhere around in there, and then uh, I think it might be heavily clipped, but I think it's still like there's enough where you can be like, okay, mm-hmm. this rolls. And then um, that first Sheik Abbey tag from '77, yeah, that one's great too. I definitely thought like when I was watching this, I think I remember that one more because then I rewatched that, and yeah, because mm-hmm. um, I, I remember this one as the one that has the finish because that obviously one right. thing if you, if you do want to dive into those tag leagues, do not expect. <laughs> A bunch of finishes when it's the matches that pop you on paper because that's not the what no. name of the game, brother. Right? Um, Mill ain't losing to nobody, baby. 
Not happening, no yob. Bobby knows about no yob. They got yeah. fucking t-shirts out of that shit. Anyway, the 80s. This very much, this fittingly so, this is the decade where we just saw Terry kind of evolving and becoming the wrestler we're talking about, but the 80s really covers like that evolution perfectly, right? Where you kind of see him go through it and where in the 90s he's very, very different. Um, here is where his many retirements begin. 83 is the first one, my recall. Which is after the match, uh, right, Stu, but yeah, eight, which, is, but, which is also an incredible match. Forever, brother. Um, mm-hmm. oh, exactly. Oh, very he's weeping. <laughs> incredible. He rules, and the crowd starts doing it with him, and he just keeps going. Um, this is a very interesting decade for Terry. We're going to start with the famed. Mm. It's one of those things that even you've never... Oh, no, we lost Joe. He's kind of Talking iconic. about the empty arena. There you are. Yeah, thanks, Oracle. And it's kicking the shit out of me. Um... It's iconic. You've heard about it if you haven't seen it. Empty Arena, Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler. This is 80 or 81? 81. 81. Um, there's so much here. There's so much. Laugh out loud funny. Factual. I want to go to Bobby first because Bobby texts me when he was watching this. And I don't think you'd seen it before. Um, <laughs> this is like one of the most incredible pieces of business in wrestling history, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I found the video and I'm like, well, it's only like 15 minutes. Hopefully, it's the right one. So I start watching through it, and they're not really doing much for the first five minutes, except it's just Lance Russell and uh, Terry Funk just kind of popping each other, and uh, which is objectively the best bit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then Lawler shows up, and Terry's just screaming how he's going to break his crown, and there's no one there. He didn't need to dress up like that. Great stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about the Lance piece of this because, listen. He's incredible. I, Oracle, you're going to get into it in more detail. I agree with your take. This is one of the great wrestling performances ever from Terry. But Lance Russell, like, still, arguably still is the show. When he's oh. two in the opening and he has the cigarette and he's like, let me put this out. Let me get. <laughs> when the camera cuts to him and he's lighting the cigarette and then he puts the other, he, he's holding the mic, he's got the smoke lit, and he just puts his other hand in his pocket. I was like, that is the coldest motherfucker I've ever seen in my life right there. <laughs> and he and he's doing that whole thing too of like, well, is this gonna actually be anything? You know, do I need to be here? It's it's unbelievable. See, but that's the thing. As funny as it is, there's an attention to detail here that is actually brilliant. It feels real. It's, it actually feels real. Is it's fully explained? It's like I've been told we should bring a cameraman, so I'm here with the cameraman. Like it's stressed to you. It's believable, which is fucking hilarious considering how Terry portrays it because he's Terry <laughs> and he does this. He walks this bizarre line between believable and insane, which is part of the, you know, that's who he is. But he's like, there's a level of, this is a lost art, this level of kind of detail, you know? And like, what about when Terry walks in and he's swearing and, and fucking Lance is like, what's your language? You want to use this later if it's anything good? Yeah. <laughs> <That> fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the kind of stuff if it wasn't there you wouldn't notice but when it's there you go that's why this works that's mm-hmm. the ingredient you know it's just bro the stuff where he's where Terry's talking shit and he's like is he under the ring count him out and Lance is just like not like he's like come on man so one two three four five <laughs> six seven eight nine ten I'm the winner <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing, dude. It really, again, we haven't even got to the match, but it's oh, it's just geez. masterful. It's aged so well, this TV. It really has. Bobby, you mentioned it. How much it popped you when fucking Jerry came out and he immediately starts clowning him. It is unbelievable. Oh, it rules. 
Dude. You got a knife or a gun? <laughs> the reveal where the camera like spins around and then it reveals that Lawler showed up in in full gear and Terry's just like, don't you know there's not anybody here? It's so tremendous. The best part about that is that Lance has to sell it like his normal when he goes, his usual ring attire, like he needed to have the crown. And the... <laughs> He's got the crown and the cape. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I do love, like, the way they start the match is so perfect because it actually feels like they're scrapping. And it's like, I love that the sound of the mat is so loud because it really emphasizes not one person. And Lance has this great line where he's like, Well, here he is, not a single person in attendance, but Terry Funk versus Drew. Like, it's like surreal. The idea is a big deal, you know? And it's, um, he like actually drops the the attendance capacity. He's like, 11,000, yes. da da da, single mm-hmm. empty seats, not a person here. Yeah. Yeah. Most wrestling that you most wrestling promotions ever wouldn't have been brave enough to do that, right? Would have exposed that a few people are usually there. <laughs> Lance is like, we're hot, bro. We'll be good. Um, this is a famous pairing, but this is saying it's live for your Oracle. You messaged me. I, I said it earlier, but you said, you know, it's maybe the greatest wrestling performance. And in the in a sense, this is everything wrestling. Kind of speak to that because this oh, is just fucking magical. I mean, this whole thing just Terry made me laugh like literally. Lance did too. Their their opening banter is one of the greatest things in the history. Like, might be the greatest like five minutes in the, in the history of wrestling. <laughs> Terry's like, Lance's like, I know it's after one, Terry. I know. He said, but you, know, <laughs> you know, Jerry, you know, uh, Jerry, you know, he, Waller, he might be in traffic. Traffic. I'm held up in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Lance in his Memphis, you know, accent. And, Terry's getting on mad after he, after he does a kind of thing. Terry goes, I'm a fool, Lance. I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. I'm a fool. Why don't you come in here and, and give me give me a warm-up? And Lance's like, no, I'm not going to do that, Terry. I, I, that's not my thing. I'm not going to go in there with you. And they pan over. Lawler, Lawler plays it so well here, too, because he's just, you know, he lets, he lets Lance and Terry do it, you know, and... Uh, the match, the match, whatever you want to call it, is incredible. <laughs> they do like this weird, like quasi lockup where they're, but it yes. feels like people. It's like it's like when like two like dudes who just like get mad and just like start swinging, and it's like they've lost it, yeah, yeah, and they're just like there's like no control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they go out on the floor and they start brawling around the seats, and Terry gets Terry picks up the two seats and throws it at Lawler. <laughs> Lawler gets overhand, so Terry gets afraid and runs away. Yeah. At one point, he goes, You hear Terry go, Leave me alone. Yeah. Then he, yeah. <laughs> Which is 20 seconds into it, by the way. <laughs> Which is incredible heel work. Incredible. And then, yes, then he picks up the stand, and Lance, like, Oh, he's, he's got the, he's got Terry, he's got the, Funk's got the, got the, got the stand for the seating chart here. Mm-hmm. And Ter- Terry comes in. And of course, you know, he ends up getting Lalo and they beat him up. Totally insane. Pile driver out there on the floor or whatever. And the finish is incredible. Yes, it Terry, is. Terry, like insane, breaks the shit out of some like timekeeper's table or something and like gets a shard of wood. And like he's trying to like kill Lawler with it. And Lance is like trying to talk him down. Yeah. It's like it's like a hostage situation. Lance Russell's like, "All right, Terry, that's enough." 
Because <laughs> he, he wants him to like, he doesn't, he wants him to concede, right? So he starts like shrieking, like, tell him, tell him, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lawler, Lawler fights out. Great finish. Jerry, Jerry Lawler kicks Terry's hand in the shard, and Terry does this great boom and yeah. right in the eye. And Terry's shrieking and yelling, my eye, my eye, oh God, my eye. I can't <laughs> see. And Lance plays it incredible. Like, because like, like Lawler's about to like go after him again. And like, he's, I'm done, I can't. And like Lance, okay, all right, Jerry, that's enough. Oh, he's done. He, he, can't, he can't go anymore. And, and Terry's like, go get some help. My, my, and Lance, like, all right. He's, you know, he's probably going to go call, you know, the hospital over there, you know, in the concourse. You know, I'm going, I'm going. Incredible. And then, of course, Terry cuts this great promo afterwards. I don't know if y'all yeah. watched that. He cuts the eye patch. Promo and, um, with, with his eye patched up. But on all time, just an all time pro wrestling experience. There are matches we could have done that that are like you know real matches where mm-hmm. the fuck that means but, but no dq match between the two is outstanding yeah we match. we had to do this dude mm-hmm. alex we've obviously talked about this one slightly differently because this is just like one of those it's like an experience we've all just kind of thrown stuff in but speak to man anything else on on the incredible empty arena match i mean y'all have covered most of it yeah just the lance russell smoking is like that's something like from anchorman where he's just like you know hanging out there smoking and like Oh yeah, but what are we gonna do? And like the camera's not steady yet because they're not sure what they're doing. It's fantastic, and I, like I said, I full on belly laugh when they reveal Lawler walking to the ring in full gear. I was like, "What an idiot!" And then Funk just you know immediately suns him for doing it. Um, one of the things, it's the way kind of the camera's angled, but I also think like <clears throat> there's something obstructing the view because near the end. Funk is ramming Lawler's head into this table, and it looks brutal. It looks yeah. like he's really taking his head and smashing it as hard as he can against this table, and it just looks fantastic. And, you know, the – was this the first time they did, like, the empty arena thing? This is, like, the first one that I can think of that was televised that yeah. I know of. Because I know that was always a thing with Foley, he said. When he did it with The Rock, he – crafted a lot of it after it, despite the fact that that mm-hmm. match went to absolute levels of just WWF insanity but right um it you know it it does feel like these two wrestlers have an issue that goes beyond the bounds of the show and they're just yeah. getting a fight here and it's like you said like uh what I said when I started this when I was a little kid I thought Terry Funk was one of the wrestlers that was actually crazy like these other guys are just pretending that guy's actually nuts and like watching this here it's like that the same thing the, I'm just, tired of your goddamn shit <laughs> yeah just him going off and yeah like uh, Joe called out the just long uninterrupted you know bleeps and then Lance yeah. Russell come on Terry we we're, we're going to use this we're going to use this <laughs> <laughs> it's um and the, you know you put yourself back in the shoes of someone watching this happen in real time that you could watch this and be like holy shit terry funk yeah. just went blind this is crazy yeah it's, it's magical and you know i'm glad you mentioned about it being brutal because we're having a lot of fun with it and rightly so because it is hilarious like it's, it's wonderful but it is like 
there's elements of it that are kind of haunting at times, you know? And when he, when Terry's like shrieking and there's a degree of violence involved, like it's kind of scary. Yes. And that's in a lot of ways, that's why it's such a perfect way to talk about Terry because it's encapsulated everything that made him great, right? It's this range of emotions. You're laughing, you're admiring it in terms of how brilliant a performance is, but then you're like, fuck, is everything okay? He's like, he's just made, he's, he's uncomfortable. It's, what an incredible effort. And it lives forever. I mean, people are fully aware of this. Like, this is one of the things he's most famous for, which mm-hmm. it speaks to how great he is. I think that's, there's not a shame in that. It's, it's worthwhile. It's, it's, um, it's just, Bob, you've, you've probably heard about it, but never seen it, right? The Mjarina deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's common. Right? It's, it's worth your time, folks. You've never seen it. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Especially because, again, the Lance Russell stuff is, is just... <laughs> the, 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 the talk about, like... He's the greatest ever. Like, studio host, that type yeah. of... He's, he's just incredible. And, like, when he's doing the small talk with the cameraman, he's like, I don't know what it's going to be, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Show up, right? It's fucking amazing. Now, we go from there, and I, I said at the start, I think this is the best lineup we've ever had. And I, I'm pretty locked in on that. Up next, we move many years later, the end of the decade. But we had to get one of these matches in there. Or, or of course, another heel that I had to die on, right? Because this is my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Funk Flair. This is the Grand American Bash match, 1989. I think this is less famous than the I Quit match, I think. But I think it was a better choice in that this is like a blend of different versions of Terry to me. Uh, which we'll get into. But for those of you who don't know, this follows one of the greatest angles in wrestling history where Flair has this famous series of Steamboat. He turns babyface within how great the matches are. And then Terry Funk, who is simply there as a judge for the NWA, he wants himself a little title match, you know, and Flair starts suggesting that he's actually been rubbing his shoulders with Stallone is the phrase, right? And Terry's a little insulted. And, you know, it's this... I've seen it. If you've watched my shows, I know how to all the time. I used the best angle in wrestling history. This is the match that follows. Um, this is quite the piece of business. Alex, I'll let you start on this. Um, this is just two of the greatest wrestlers ever making history. This is something else, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And also, you know, you got you to gotta keep in mind, this is from one of the events that's widely regarded as one of the greatest pro wrestling events of all time. Yeah. Uh, the, the War Games match on it and uh, Luger and Steamboat, you had Sting Muda, so this like capped it all off. And um, the main, I've seen this before. Uh, recently, a friend of mine donated the original VHS copy of this that was released to my wow. collection. So I, I, I gotta get that in there. But anyway, uh, I always forget this is like, this is not a flair match. You know, a Ric Flair match comes along with certain expectations, and flair obviously. Uh, I'm not speaking to him as a person, but as a pro wrestler, he's one of the best yeah. that ever did it yeah. uh, because he figured out a formula that was incredible and worked for him. But every once in a while, man, he had these matches that weren't his. You know, I thought of this and then like um, uh, Starcade 93 with Vader. Like mm-hmm. there's every once in a while he has these matches that aren't his. And this is just like a brawl and Flair's doing shit in this match. You don't see him do ever. He does a flying forearm at one point. I was like, wait, what? And uh, like, they're brawling on the outside, just lighting each other up with chops. They're both, you know, they both have tremendous working punches. Terry's a little bit better, but just the way, like, yeah. Terry's selling it. And uh, they're still, it was almost, you know, 
the turn of the 90s and like Hulkamania was already in full swing. But those WCW crowds, man, still believe that shit. Uh, Terry comes out. I don't know if y'all caught it, but this dude's trying to fight him. And like the cops have to get Mm -hmm. in front and like and split him up. And it's uh, it's tremendous. I did mark out. We got Bob Cottle on the call. Oh, here comes Terry Funk. uh, (laughs) You know, it's more so than like their clash match. I think I I like this one because it it um, flares like babyface fire in this. Like just how he comes out and like when you man in his prime flair, there's nothing like seeing the reveal of him with the hair and the robe, but he comes out and he's got like his arms pumped and he's just like ready to do what he has to do. And, uh, you get juice, you get, uh, you got Gary Hart, you got Tommy young as the ref. It's just all these parts that come together that just make it this fantastic classic, Mm -hmm. just quintessential WCW style main event. And then at the end, Muda does a run in and beats up Doug Dillinger, which I was just like absolutely going nuts for. That but, angle um, was amazing. Yeah, that's great. Doug Dillinger yeah, yeah. the civilian. JR. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Uh, I think it took JR less than two minutes to bring up football. Uh, Terry Funk, of course, uh, offensive lineman at. Uh, where, where did <laughs> yes. And he follows it with, of course, Flair has amateur credentials. <laughs> we <can still> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. <clears throat> I think more of this one, I was kind of. You know, uh, it it resides with Terry because, like, Terry, yeah. but like seeing Flair go to a different place, it like reminded me, like, or it was just kind of like, holy shit, you know, this isn't a Flair match. I'd kind of forgotten how good this was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's because of Terry's in there. He's just this mean, ornery, ornery son of a bitch that's just like wanting to brawl, and Flair has to take it to him in order to prevail in the end. And I love that the finish too is just a reversal of small packages that it was kind of right. like, Flair's old tricks didn't work. He just had to do what he he had to survive Terry Funk versus mm-hmm. like beating him soundly. Yeah, and he kind of gets given that window by Terry, right? Like Gary Hart's pleading with Terry to go for a pin, and he's like, "Quit," you know, which yeah. obviously pays off bigger later down the stretch. But um, yeah, you mentioned the entrance, and like it always struck me about this when Flair comes out and he has the women. It's like his fists are clenched, right? Like he's like desperate to beat the shit out of Terry Funk, and they immediately brawl. The chop exchanges with these two are, like, the best ever. Partly because they're not just exchanging and trying to outdo each other. Terry, like, sells each one. But he doesn't do the sell of, like, that was hurt. That, that was, you know, that was painful. He does he's, like, this mad about of, it. Yeah, he's like, you fucking, you got me again, man. Yeah. It's, like, it's great. There's a great visual where Flair hits him with a big one. And Terry, like, does this with his fist. Like, you fucker, man. It's, it's just, <laughs> it's an incredible pair. It was interesting, Alex, when you talking about matches that aren't Flair matches, but are great mentioned this one and the Vader one, both babyface matches for Flair, right? And mm-hmm. we all know how much he hated being a babyface because he didn't have the control of it. But it's like, I mean, I think even with his limited offense, there's a lot of signs he was fucking great at this. And perhaps it should have been a thing they went to more often. I don't know. I get that he liked the formula. But um, it's very interesting. Bobby, thoughts on this one? I know you haven't loved it because you've, you've watched some Flair 80s match and not loved it. But uh, this one's a lot more high-paced, fair say, right? Yeah, so I didn't really know what to think going into this one because, uh, you know, the Luger match is one that I don't really love a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, piece but, yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, this was different. You know, kept it short. Felt like a real fight. Um, really just – they they did what they had to do there. And, uh, you know, another one where the crowd's just red hot the whole time. And that just adds so much. And, uh, you know, the finish just coming out of nowhere kind of ruled too. 
because I was not expecting it. It's interesting that, like, it's definitely is a brawl, but in a lot of ways, it's the first act kind of serves as, like, a preview to what you get in the I Quit match, right? Like, you know when they're at ringside? That's basically what the whole... And I love the I Quit match. I mean, it's a compliment, but it's like... I like this one because you kind of get Terry's range. Because once he cuts him off and starts working the neck and stuff, he kind of... I don't want to say he becomes the traditional wrestler again, but he's a lot closer to it than he gets in the next decade. Does that make sense? He's still trying to win the belt and you know so on and so forth. Oracle, you you said to me you think this would be a better choice than I quit, and I totally agree with you. Uh, what do you think rewatching it? Oh, just a total blast. I I love Alex bringing up the part where the fan tried to fight him. Yeah, and the cops that were holding him back. The cops were laughing because oh, Terry probably said some of the funniest shit you could possibly think of when he got into the. When he got into the dude's face, I badly want to know what Terry said. Um, maybe, maybe not something that can be uttered on a podcast, but he probably said something not too kind. But that dude was laughing. That cop was laughing his ass off with whatever he said. Um, but uh, yeah, this rule—they just tore into each other. Um, of course, you know, the story, you know, Terry working on Flair's neck was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Hart being at ringside, kind of starting up the JTEX Corporation stuff. Um, the thing that always sticks with me is like the post-match brawl is the best post-match brawl like ever. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, the crowd is just losing their minds. JR's call is incredible. <laughs> Tug Dellinger, who is like my favorite, like, WCW character ever because he's just on every <laughs> WCW show ever. Like he's out there taking Goldberg to the ring, and he's just you know he's the head of security. You know it's Doug it's it's Doug Dellinger. And Muda attacking him is incredible, and Jr's call as I pointed out earlier. Doug Dellinger's a civilian, <laughs> like just random. He's unbelievable, man. Like I know we we all have our jokes now, but like Prime Jr is fucking oh, he's, godly. He's amazing, and, yeah, and like. The brawl stops at one point, and like Flair and Sting are like, nah, fuck that. We're fighting him on the ramp. Yeah, and they fight him up the ramp. And there's supposed to be this interview, and Flair's got like, the, you know, the green. Looks like Christmas. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And blood. And it looks incredible. And he's cutting this great fiery promo. Just an amazing scene. Mm-hmm. Oracle, um, was, this a, was this the match that Terry Funk did the insane promo about the woman who ran over Ric Flair in her car? Or was that for the I quit match. Oh gosh. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. I can't remember. You didn't hit a jackass. You hit Ric Flair. <laughs> and then Jim Ross is like, oh, come on now. Well, I think that's before this one. I think because it's after this, it takes a much darker turn like with the plastic oh, bag. The class, and yeah, the class and, was yeah. very controversial when Terry yes, tried to suffocate Flair with a plastic and bag. Earlier, Oh, he does the promo from the hospital bed. Remember that? Where he's got the and he's he's like screaming and he's yeah, he's fucking it takes a turn. I mean, this is why I'm off, but that shit's crazy. This um, is where like this era too is where Terry really started to be like yeah. an all-time promo in terms of just like you never knew what he was gonna say. And mm-hmm. uh, he one of the guys that definitively could just say things that no one else in the world could say, and you would take him seriously saying it. He's 45 here, right, Oracle? 45, I want to say. Yes, 45. That shaped his career. Young man. And it's, you know, uh, hilariously, according to him anyway, WCW was like, at the end of the show, well, that's your, you know, like he didn't want to do the retirement step or lose or leave town step, whatever the fuck it was. Like he, 
he was uh he was basically told I'm gonna have anything else for you, man. You're old, <laughs> which is unbelievable to think about because you know nowadays everyone's 45, right? It seems to be the way it works. But anyway, um, how great by the way is it when he when he goes to the outside and Tommy Young fucking pulls his hair? Oh, and, Terry, <laughs> and then Terry Terry climbs on the apron and just dives on Flair. <laughs> And like doesn't do anything, he just sort of falls on him. Amazing match. Um, the uh, branding iron shots look fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Like, mm. I think it's, you know, who knows what it was made of, but it looks to be legitimate. And mm. also, it's one of those weapons that you can believe that someone got hit in the head and it really fucking hurt, but it didn't kill yeah. him. It's not like Vince Russo baseball bat era stuff. Absolutely. And it's important, you, you know, you bring that up. He's very much framed as though Flair is about to beat Terry like decisively before that, right? He has the figure four and he's just beat the shit out of him the whole time. And it's like, what a novel concept. The babyface seeking revenge just beats the hell out of the heel. Mm-hmm. It is presented to the audience he was about to win. And really, the extension, the eventual finish is because Terry fucking used the branding on him. Like, that's, yep. you know, and that kind of naturally explains the story. Um, yeah, it's, it's tremendous. I think it was. I want to say pretty recently, X Park Sean Morton was sort of like, "This is still the match he's, he watches regularly." And she's like, "Speak, this match is thirty three years was, old." Dude. This was the first match I saw. This was the first eighties match I saw. I think when I was a kid. That rules. It's only like seventeen minutes. Also, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's heated and it's just he's aged so well. And we said that a lot tonight, but it's true. Like it's it really, you know, Bobby used the word modern. So I, don't, I wouldn't describe this this one as modern. Not that Bob did, but it's like it was a sprint for its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Like it's you won't be bored during this one. Like especially the energy in the buildings, big part. Bobby mentioned that, and he's right. It's like you know, at one point JR's like, you know, they the crowds they're scared, they're watching their their hero get beat up. And it's like, look, man, we can all think how we think about it, but like he they actually treat Flair like he's their fucking hero. It's a different it's a very different vibe. It's very special. Um great match, one of my favorites, one of my favorite feuds. Flair's eighty nine is you know. Not one of those undiscussed topics, right? At least we put that alongside 05 Joe. We'll <laughs> save yeah. for another day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, one of the you know really underrated topics yeah. of wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oracle, do you have any other 80s matches you'd like to shout out before we move to the to the 90s? The Martel match from 86 Puerto Rico. Oh. One that I always think of. Stan Hansen match from... Mm-hmm. I should know the year. Is it 83? Summer of 83? It's before he retires, right? Yep. Yeah. And of course, when does the he come back? Yeah, the, the, uh, the retirement match. Well, it might be spring of 83. The retirement match, which is incredible yeah. uh, in 83. Um, I can't remember who their opponents are, but it's great. There you go. Um, I was going to throw out there, too. Uh, Terry wrestled. Uh, I was going to say Terry, but. Terry Funk wrestled Hulk Hogan in a main event of Saturday night's main event. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. Um, and there is also, it is on the network or Peacock. You can find it. The WWF did a Boston garden show. Uh, it's from March 8th of 1986. The main event of which is Hulk Hogan and the junkyard dog against Terry Funk and Dory Funk uh, oh. junior. Uh, that, that same house show also features um, Bret Hart versus Ricky Steamboat. Uh, Bull Nakano and Dump Matsumoto versus Velvet McIntyre and Don Marie. Uh, Randy Savage versus Tito Santana and the Crush Gals wrestle uh, some tag team. It's it's one of the most wild lineups you can find wow. for like a random show on the network. 
I've seen the Terry match. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that undercard. That's crazy. Also, we should. I mean, if we're talking about other matches from the eighties, the actual the sequel to the one we just talked about, right? The I Quit one is. You know, yeah. if you watch this, mm-hmm. you, should, you should catch that too. Um, the Lala Nerdy Q from eighty one is outstanding. There you too. go. Yeah. Did he wrestle Lex at all that decade? I imagine he could have got a good match at Lex. Uh, of course, Steve, have, no, I don't know. Definitely Chris Pass. Uh, the Eddie Guerrero match on WCW TV, yeah, is yeah. awesome. This mm. Eddie, and they were like, he's too skinny, or whatever the fuck, you know, and he just said, like, You sold for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God bless. This is center stage, right? That one, mm-hmm. center stage, yeah, I think so. Yeah, awesome. Um, and we recently did a grin along for the match with Steamer from Clash Guts and Glory, right? That was Doesn't the, he have the a good Scott Hall in 89, too. I think he does. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's a clearly there's a lot. Um, eighties is a really cool sweet spot, as I said earlier, where it's kind of you get like a blend of versions. You kind of get a mix of seventies and nineties Terry, which is awesome. Um, speaking of the nineties, let's get into it. So this is kind of the decade where Terry is like. I don't mean I don't not to understate what he was before. But this is where he's like fully spent as like the legend, you know, especially the the, the last match we'll talk about. Um, but we start in 1994. War games. Um, now you mentioned Alex earlier, Slambury, right? Where he wrestles Tully, and that's where he kind of comes back into the fold. For those of you who don't know, Arn Anderson turned on on Dustin against the, uh, the you know um, Colonel Parker's group, Stud Stable, right? And um, that spawned the famous Dusty promo, "You never changes" and all that good stuff. Um, and here we are for War Games. I want to give the Oracle of Wrestling a chance to talk about the kind of spiritual. Uh, symbolic meaning of this match because this is kind of one of the things that made me appreciate when I was talking to you about it because you said something to me that I think is really striking about this particular match. So explain that a little bit in terms of what it represents in kind of wrestling history, so to speak. Yeah, so this is um, – and I brought this up a couple of times, but this is this is a perfect point to talk about it here. Um, so the Rhodes Stud Stable feud was yeah. a very important feud mm-hmm. in – in WCW and in a lot of ways, wrestling history. Um, it was the last Southern feud in WCW. Yeah. It was the last WC. It was the last classic NWA WCW feud after Hogan came in and sort of WWFIs WCW in a lot of ways for mm-hmm. about 18 months or so. Brother. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was the last, it was, it was really the last, great southern feud on national television mm. um and this is the culmination of that um started out with uh dustin rhodes feuding with uh Boncos buck in the spring which rules by the way yes awesome matches uh terry funk joins along mm-hmm. dustin needs a partner arn anderson it's the one yeah. he chooses Arn, because he's a walk behinder, as Dustin he's a walk behinder. turns on Dustin. Because <laughs> uh, we're supposed to get this great video package leading up to the match. Um, Dusty cuts maybe the greatest promo of all time. Yeah, genuinely. Um, asking to be Dustin's partner at Clash of the Champions in August of 94. Great moment where they hug. I don't need, I, I just need a son. You know, this is a, a, just an yeah. incredible promo. Um, I think it's better than this hard times promo. Um, Agree. And they have a tag match with uh, um, 
Terry and uh, Terry and Buck. Um, Ming is is the enforcer now for uh, Colonel Robert Parker's table. Dusty sale of the nerve hold. The, uh, the post match mess gets kind of thrown out, and Dusty breaks a wooden chair over Ming's head. <laughs> Ming no sells it, and then Dusty sells the nerve hold. It's incredible. Who recreated so now, that a couple years back? Who did that? the wooden chair deal? Did they do it with Nick Comoroto? Yeah, I think that's Cody. who they did it with. Yeah. Yeah. Cody so fucking rules, man. Um, and um, just an incredible. And then, of course, you've got Dusty and Dustin. They need a tag partners. It's originally going to be them and whoever they can find against Arn, Terry, Bunkhouse Buck, and Ming. Well, Ming isn't allowed to wrestle in the match, so it has to be Colonel Robert Parker. And not only that... Who may be the MVP of this match, let's be honest. Yes. Sweating bullets, by the way. When he's like on the outside, like, I can't go in there. (laughs) (laughs) Dusty and Dustin. Dusty recruits the nasty boys in, in my opinion, maybe the greatest vignette of all time. Uh, Where he goes into some sort of like... Leather daddy bar. Yes. <laughs> sort of bizarre. <laughs> and Dusty's like t- trying to speak like nasty speak, and it's hilarious. And he's like, and he recruits the nasty boys, and it's like their baby face turn or whatever. And um, so now we've got Dusty and Dustin and the nasty boys versus uh, Arn, Terry, Buck. And Colonel Robert Parker in War Games, um, the last classic War Games match in WCW history. Um, this doesn't have blood, which is a little disappointing, right? But it was that era, right? There was no right, bleeding. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It takes it like it's more fun than violence. Exactly. I mean, that's an insult, exactly. right? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just it's the culmination of the last great Southern feud in on 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 national television and. The last match to ever air on WCW television was this very match on Worldwide on April 1st, 2001. That, my um, God. That's amazing. Is, I never knew that. Which is fitting and beautiful. I never even knew that piece of it. Um, That's amazing, dude. Yeah. Uh, this was, this was, um, I believe that, I believe it was, it was on that show. I believe it was the last match to air. Um, of course, you know, before the famous final send off, whatever, with of Scott course, Hudson yeah. and, and Mike Tanae, but, um, I've got snacks. Yeah, uh, great, great meme. Um, Small way of like logging back on now. Just tweet that. But yeah, this match is just. I I, I guess I can go ahead and break it down. Now. My my, my thoughts good. on the match, but um, focusing on Terry, he's just incredible. He's in jeans. He's got like plumber's crack half the match. It's amazing, and he's like stumbling around. He comes in and tears his boot off right away, and he like. It he just falls becomes down like this, immediately. Becomes like he this eats shit weapon. immediately, trying to dive yeah. and hit dust. He clocks dust into the face with his boot, but he eats he's shit re- in the process. Yeah, he's reaching and just like falls in the middle. Right? It's amazing. Yes. And then at one point, he and Jerry Sags have these incredible interactions. Yeah. Where he literally gets Gonzo bombed in between the ring, and Terry just vanishes and falls in between the rings. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes up with a weapon, and he hits Jerry yes. in the dick. Yes, he comes up with a weapon. <laughs> There's one point where Sags, because that's who Jerry Sags is, he didn't 
let up on any punch or strike or anything. Mm. <laughs> he, he gets the boot, and it's literally Terry's not blocking it. He's just smacking Terry as hard as he can in the face with his boot. And Terry's just like doing these spin cells. And like, it's incredible. And of course, everybody are great. everybody's great in this match. Colonel Robert Parker is incredible on the outside, as Alex pointed out. He comes in and throws one punch, and he's like, that I um, lost my shit for that because that's <laughs> like the one the things going like uh, Matt Tremont still does it. That's a random reference, but like the guys that throw just keep throwing punches. The guy that throws the punch and then kind of like shakes his hand out because that would really hurt if you punch yeah, someone in the, the, the face with your bare hand. Hard in the head. Hell yeah. That, yeah, but Colonel like he punches and then he starts <laughs> to sell and then he acts like he's gonna go back again and he's like ah. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd when I, is like I'll bet you know. The crowd's not, you know, Dustin yeah. and Arn get 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 a decent response, but it's not, you know, Terry gets mm-hmm. some gets some response for his for his bumps and stuff, but the crowd just picks up as the match goes along because they're waiting for Dusty, right? Yeah, that's Dusty special. comes in, place explodes, like it's like the Nasty Boys are tearing in everybody. Like Terry is just doing these ridiculous, amazing cells. Yeah, the finish is incredible. Where where uh, Parker gets put in the figure four by Dusty, and then the Nasty's drop and elbow drops. Great, great, great catch on the replay in the slow mo. Terry's desperately crawling over, mm-hmm. and Dusty has a figure four, and he's punching, and Terry's feeding punches. It's <laughs> figure four, just incredible. Yeah, I mean, just an amazing, amazingly fun match. My favorite match ever, really, and. It was a match I actually put as number one in WCW all-time poll. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's it, it was like I said, it's a culmination of 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 a really special feud and really the last kind of it was a culmination of a dying dying sort of light in WCW. Yeah. Um, just a just an awesome awesome match and, and Terry was just and <laughs> Terry was just an absolute hoot in this just bumbling crazy heel just just incredible he's having a blast too you can tell yeah. right you can you can really tell i quickly to answer joe's question that's absolutely where cody got the promo from yes that, and that was you know i think it was very much a, a direct knob but i'm aware not everyone's seen 1994 wcw angle so uh <laughs> there you go um yeah dude, this is you said they pop when dusty came in but honestly it's better than that they pop at the idea of him coming in like mm-hmm. The 30 seconds before, and the, I always remember Ming shaking the cage. Oh, Ming is great as a, as a second in this, too. It adds, like, this cinematic kind chaos. of... Yeah, it's... it's mm. There's something epic about that moment with him shaking the cage and the crowd kind of a dusty chance. It's, um, it's something else. Now, Bobby, I know this probably didn't have quite the gravity <laughs> for you as, as <laughs> it's sort of expressed with the historical context. What do you think of it, especially watching it, you know, a day after um, Blood and Guts weather? Yeah, in a vacuum, and then, you know, followed by the other four matches we've talked about so far, I didn't really love it, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the context that's been added. And I think, you know, I'm doing this thing where I'm kind of watching through, like, 1993, 1994. So I think once I get it, you know, with the full context, I'm going to like it a lot more. Um, yeah. But just as far as, you know, like, Terry coming in, just immediately beating the shit out of guys with his boot, that part ruled. <laughs> um, it wasn't bad. It just, you know, it felt like kind of a step down from what we've seen so far. But, you know, with the added context, it it would probably be higher for me. It isn't a war games that's like epic in terms of the action. It's more like there's a charm to it. Like mm-hmm. once you get right. it, it's 
Like you can rewatch this match a lot just based on Terry's style. Like, you mentioned that cell he does where he like he gets hit by the boot and like spins around and like he puts one foot in front of the other. It's fucking amazing, dude. Alex, where do you stand on this one? We have a, a slight uh, contrast and take. Where do you stand on this one? Uh, well. Uh, number one, you can find this on a physical release on the Best of War game set that the WWE put out several years ago. I have the Blu-ray of that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yeah, uh, me and my some of my buddies here, I think we parody Dusty's promo or quoted, I should say, this one more than Hard Times. The I just need a hug and a kiss to feel the deal, baby. <laughs> like that's it's amazing. Like it's easy to joke about, but like every time I watch it, I'm like, holy shit! Like I get goosebumps, and I'm just yeah. like, Dusty man. Um, I think one of the important things about this match, and since we're talking about Terry, is to contextualize where he was. I mean, the famous triple threat with Shane and Sabu happened in the same year, the hour long yeah. draw they did, and mm-hmm. like. You know, he wasn't too far removed from... I was actually kind of surprised this match didn't end up on here, so I'll bring it up now. He was just about a year removed from the Kawasaki Stadium match with Onita. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, like... It was close. Yeah, yeah Terry yeah, it was, was. It was was doing a lot of stuff, and when I was watching this, I was just like... He's in a... It, it seems like each time we, we talk about these matches, he's in, like, this place. But here is when he's becoming that fluid guy I was talking yeah. about. Of Like, just going everywhere. He's resting, you know, 40,000 people in Japan coming back doing the ECW arena before it was big. And then he ends up in war games, which um, everything Oracle said was right. And I had never been able to contextualize or not contextualize, but kind of facilitate that. I mm-hmm. never put together that this is like the last WCW style match before, you know, that doesn't work for me, brother. It really came <laughs> to the forefront. Cause like the one the next year was Hogan and yeah. you know, his cronies oh, yeah. against we, the dungeon. Of Doom. Was... Yeah. But, this like, show. Go ahead. Alex. Come. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, you know, Roanoke, Virginia, I had to look up where it was. And when Dusty comes in, like, there had been such a separation from the golden age of, like, the Crockett promotions. But when Dusty comes in, it goes back to that. Yeah. Where he's doing those elbows and the guys in the crowd, it's the who, who, like, every shot he lands. It's just amazing. I also kind of marked out for the way he puts on the figure four. He doesn't do the spin. He just kind of like mm-hmm. spins it over and locks it. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, just a couple. We talked about Terry. He's great. The nasty dream shirt. I've always been like, oh. I want one of those bootleg merch makers to make one of those. <laughs> one. Um, yeah, my note, holy shit, Dusty. And then there's two other things. Like you mentioned cinematically. It's very rare you get a really cool shot on a pro wrestling yeah. show. But there is this show of Ming. Uh, the shot of Ming standing behind everybody and his glasses. You can see the mm-hmm. reflection of the cage and it's dope. And then, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's yeah. excellent. I love the Nasty Boys. So, like, that's anytime I watch them, it's, you know, they are like the quintessential team that when you're young and like super into like work rate ROH type stuff, you're like, oh, the Nasty Boys suck. Mm-hmm. And then you grow up and watch them, you're like, no, nah, they rule <laughs> Beat the shit out of people. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> For as sloppy as they are and as sandbaggy as they were, you have to pay attention because it happens in the background while they're like, I think they're focusing on Colonel Parker. But Arn hits his spine buster on knobs and it is as beautiful as any other spine buster he's ever hit. Because, you know, Arn's just like, you're going up, motherfucker. You can go with me or not, but you're going up. And uh, I had seen this match before, um, but... I never got as much enjoyment. You know, when you're trying to be analytical about things, you kind of put a different pair of glasses on. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is really good. 
And it's uh, just because it's not one of the original like Road Warriors horseman type war games doesn't yeah. make it any less. And um, and then especially putting Terry on top of that with his just insanity. Uh, and, you know, I fuck house fuck, man. The way he would sell some of that stuff was killing me. Like he gets hit with the belt at one point. And he's like, oh, and just yeah, lets out this big howl. It's um, Dutch Spider's dead. Jake Hager's dead. That's Paul. right. That's right. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's it's perfect for what it is, I think. There's a great way of describing it. Like it's not it isn't the epic encounter that ninety two is, right, with Dangerous yeah. Alliance, but it's like it doesn't need to be. It also puts they go to the finish like ninety seconds after Dusty gets in. Yeah. And people can learn from that. You know, yeah, what's gonna be accomplished cool. by Dusty going another ten minutes when you can't bleed? I just oh. I've seen this match a lot, so I left this one. And I have to admit, watching it today after last night's Blood and Guts, which I, when I rewatched it, I liked it a lot more because I removed myself from what I wanted it to be, which you have to do sometimes with these things. But it's like, God bless, man. Like, <laughs> Match Beyond is 90 seconds long. He gets in there and they go home. Fuck it. <laughs> also, but, um, uh, real quick, according to Urban Legend, this is the match that Colonel Robert shit his pants during. Like, and he, bless. yeah, venomously denies that to this day, but people claim that it happened. <laughs> That adds half a star, right? That's one for the spreadsheets, bro. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I love that as soon as Terry gets in, he goes for Dusty and starts talking shit to Dusty. That pulls him over. Like <laughs> he also spends a lot of this match just like fighting imaginary people and like just swinging wildly, which he would do a lot. But he's amazing in this one. It's um, it's an absolute blast. I think Bobby, when you get to it in chronological order, where I think you'll you'll probably pop through more. It's just. Is this the show that has the Flair Hogan like phone call skit? Yeah, yeah which is so. like one of the worst things ever. Which really sums up your point, right? Like Hogan's in the gym on the phone. Well, brother, <laughs> like talking to. Him. Was this during the time where they couldn't have him on the actual pay per view because it would cost them too much money? Like they would just like mention I think him. Possible. I think it was because his first deal was like so short term. I think was where it was. It was like. Because he works. I come in, I beat Ric Flair, dude. Yeah. Then we'll take it from there. Yeah, he works because he, he does works the Flash in the rematch. The first. Yeah, he, he does have and a do have it, the retirement yeah. match. Yeah, cage retirement cage. Goddamn retirement match. <laughs> anyway, Jerry's incredible on in that. By the way, it's not that the match is bad. It's just like why would they do it? Like I no know. one understood why. Anyway, I, know. I just always, you right. know. Yeah, Jerry was great. Ninety-four, Jerry Martel, brother. Yeah, fair. Um. Okay, let's move on to the last match. 1997, Vaughn to be wired. Uh, barbed wire match with ECW title. Terry Funk and Sabu. I'm going to go straight to Alex, who was utilizing physical media for his viewership of this particular match. That's right, baby. Um, I could not relate. I was tackling a daily motion video that was kicking the shit out of me. I was very unfortunate. <laughs> Why is this not on the network? I don't know. But Alex, you had it right in front of you. So I'll start with you, pal. Let's get into Terry Funk and Sabu. Go ahead. All right, so we got to set the stage a little bit here, too, in terms of uh, Terry was the ECW champion, having won it at Barely Legal uh, several months prior to this, and coming in here for the barbed wire match with Sabu. Um, now, Terry had had a barbed wire match in ECW prior to this. Uh, in the infant days of eBay, I remember a young Alex buying Heatwave 94 on VHS off eBay, which saw uh, Terry and Dory Funk Jr. in the ECW arena in a barbed wire match with Public Enemy. Um, that it's not great, but you need to watch it because Terry and Dory come out like in their farming gear. So they're covered like head to toe. So the barbed wire doesn't do anything to them. It's, it's excellent. Um, 
this also like for those that remember was like when I first got the internet and learned about this, this was like one of the most like coveted and like mm-hmm. infamous matches possible. I remember like before gifts and whatnot, it was just like screen caps. I remember the one of Sabu with his back in the barbed wire being like really popular. Um, and ECW, you know, sold a shit ton of home videos off of this because they would do the the ads where born to be wired and, you know, too violent to show here, that type of thing. And um, I eventually, when I was like 14 and Pioneer Video started releasing those, they did a compilation called Deep Impact that had this match on it. And that's what I dug out and watched again today. And it's like, I remember being, you know, 14 or whatever. And it was like, oh, I finally get to watch this. And when it was over, it, like, I felt dirty. I was like, why did I just watch that? Like, this is like, you know, it's um, the whole thing about ECW with the pay-per-view, how they couldn't get on because people thought they were like real. Like they thought it was, you know, these guys really trying to kill each other. Even at 14 where I was like, all that shit I see on Monday night's fake, but this, this is like, they're they're killing each other. What's going on here? And um, it's, it's not a good match. I think that's one thing that needs to be said. I think Terry's performance in it, and if you respect this type of thing, what Sabu puts himself through in this is commendable. It's a match I think everyone has to see because it's like this kind of really famous point in ECW's history. And sadly, it was this match that kind of, because of its accessibility and widespread like appeal, like with the you know kind of the advent of the internet, this is kind of what CZW built off of. Because, you know, I don't buy the excuse that that's Onita's fault because Onita was selling out stadiums. So he just figured out a way to do it differently. But the CCW stuff is like kind of this match in particular is where it comes from. But it's just wild. It's this Mm -hmm. fight with, you know, just when it starts and you see the aesthetic, it's like this is crazy. It's literally like I remember reading about it and thought it was just like made up that they took the ropes down and replaced them with barbed wire and then seeing it finally it's it's just nuts um so terry funk was supposed to win this because a week after this they did their second pay-per-view hardcore heaven 97 um and the finish for that to my understanding was always going to be shane douglas was going to leave the pay-per-view with the belt but at the end of this they legitimately couldn't move they got tangled in that big ball of barbed wire so that you know sabu's like ah let's get out of here and then terry kicks out the first time and sabu's like fucking stay down uh, it's um it's got some awesome moments in it i mean terry's punches are always just something to behold this match has like to me one of the best looking pile drivers ever in wrestling because terry picks sabu up for the pile. it's incredibly dangerous i don't recommend anyone do this he picks him up and Sabu just flails his arms out to the side, trying to fight it off, fight it off. Yeah. And then Terry just spikes him and it looks just absolutely devastating. And it's one of those things of like, you could show this to like the most jaded or even just like detractor of pro wrestling. Oh, it's fake. That's plastic. The second Sabu hits the barbed wire, it just starts shredding his gear. Like it mm-hmm. starts cutting him up and his pants get all torn apart. And then of course, when he, flies into the corner and rips his bicep open. That was for those of y'all who remember VHS uh, pausing. You couldn't get like a clear image when you tried to pause or do something in slow-mo in VHS. So when I got this DVD on my PS2 and it was the crystal clear vision that you could go in slow-mo, I must've slowed this down a hundred times and, you know, called my neighborhood friends over like who didn't even watch wrestling. I'm like, you got to see this thing. This crazy guy gets his arm torn open. Uh, 
<laughs> but it's um and you know Sabu just metal as hell just starts taping his arm up and it's nuts. Uh, yeah. Terry like after that he yells at him. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's just like God bless man. It's a uh, there's also something I felt poetic about this match ending after we did the Sheik match, who of course is Sabu's uncle, yes. and you know Sabu does the spike gimmick in this one too, and it's um, it's it's an experience, and like I said, it's easily like fundamentally from the list we've done the the least good match, but it's one with this just insane legacy, and you it being the one we end on that he's his oldest when he was doing this shit is yeah. just absolutely bonkers. I'm I'm glad that you led there because I was slightly concerned about this part of the show because I didn't want to be the the kind of odd man out on this match because I don't have a great degree of experience with this era and I you know I have no nostalgia for the first time I watched or anything like that and I think this obviously I agree with you totally about this is a match someone you need to see it it's like a grotesque kind of spectacle and and Terry's always a pleasure to watch and Sabu's fucking nuts and you know mm-hmm. but it is. The, at the start of it, I was kind of wondering if they were going to do something that Onita was great at in terms of the match with Terry Funk is famous for it. Because at the start, Terry's doing the thing where he's kind of cornered, right? And he's like measuring around. But as, when they go once in a barbed wire, from there, it's just barbed wire and like nonstop, right? It kind of amazed me how this was. And that's, that's the appeal of it. It's insane. It's completely irrational. And that's why it's, you know, so effective. But it does kind of get redundant for me at some point, you know, like it's when you guys are wrapping themselves in it, it's like, man, I don't know. And again, it's not that it's not good. It's just, it's kind of, um, it's the least one that appealed to me personally um, of these matches, which speaks more to the other matches, but it is something I think you need to see. Bobby, I'm assuming you've never seen this before. What was your reaction to uh, Terry and Sabu's uh, barbed wire match here? Yeah, I mean, it, it is an experience. Um, you know, it's not very good, but, like, am I glad that I've seen it once now? Yeah, probably. I mean, there are parts that did pop me. Like, you know, it's just... Probably. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, like, it's crazy to watch this sort of thing happen, but, like, you're kind of glad you see it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think his age comes into play, too. Like, he's, what, 51 here, probably? He's in his fifties, I believe, at this point, because he's—he's, he's, I think he's sixty at one night stand. This is about ten years before, so. But he was forty-five at eighty-nine, so someone did the mathematics. Fifty-three. Yeah, so <laughs> that's part of it too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it—it it got a little kind of crowded at the end and stuff, and you know, it's—that's not really the point, though. It's not like designed to be laid out as a good match it's just supposed to be this kind of spectacle and it, yeah. it did its job one thing i do think hurt this and i'm i have no like awareness of the situation the crowd was weird for this match i thought did yeah they- i was just actually about to call that out yeah it, it goes to a certain point where i think it's the ecw crowd obviously is famous for being bloodthirsty yeah and but i think towards the end they're just like it's almost too much for them because mm-hmm. they see how bad it is for everybody and it's you know that's that's why deathmatch tournaments now draw 100 people it's yeah. like it's the only people that really get off on seeing that are kind of weird people and it's <laughs> uh 
I think in the beginning when they were doing like the first time Sabu hits the barbed wire, it's like, oh, it's like a ladder match type thing. I mean, yes. He did the thing. He went through a table. He went through a ladder. And then it just like you said, it just keeps going and the brutality just ramps up. And then there's no way of hiding how fucked up Sabu gets. It's that thing mm-hmm. of like he hits, he goes to sell, he looks at his arm, he realizes how bad it is. And he's like, holy shit. He starts like freaking yeah. out. And I think there's only, you know, and we're talking about this 25 years later, there's only so much you can do with that. So yeah. it's, I think uh, it may have behooved Terrence and uh, Sabu in this to take a page from 94 Dusty and get in and get out and just kind of, you know, I think, I think they wanted to do too much and the crowd just, it got to the point where they're like, oh, this isn't fun to watch anymore. Well, it's the thing too is it's, it's blunt, right? Like, it's not like you're going to make great sound charging the barbed wire. It's just like brutality. It's kind of, and yeah. if you don't insert the drama yourself, which they quite quickly get rid of by just doing it over and over again. It's like at some point you're just watching guys mutilate themselves, which let's be real. A lot more of wrestling is that than we like to pretend, but this is yeah. like a very graphic version of it. Um, Oracle, I know you, sing- I hadn't seen this before. So mm. you singled out and I, I think you may zig where we zagged here. Where do you stand on this one? Uh, a little bit. I, I actually think it's one of ECW's better matches, uh, but I also rate Spectral's pretty highly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I mean, like, yeah, fundamentally, it's not great. Um, it's absolutely true that the crowd was like, "All right, it's getting a little uncomfortable." So it's, yeah. it's time to, yeah. like, especially the part where they like <laughs> the part where they wrap themselves up in barbed wire. You can tell why. So it's wrapped up around Sabu's like leg and knee, and it's like. Around Terry's head and like the, the, Sabu, the barbs are like are like seven inches from Terry's face. So if Terry tries to pull over to get the pinfall, he's gonna get barbed wire into like his eye. You know. On uh some interview with Sabu once I he could have been bullshitting, but he did say when they were in that ball entwined, he said Terry started ribbing him, going, My high, my high. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what about when Terry pulls Fonzie over the top rope? Oh, <laughs> Paul that rule. Fonzie, got like Fonzie got blood? He wanted no part of that, and Terry's just like, sorry, that's happening. <laughs> that made it worse, I think, honestly, because they kind of got stuck on there. It was crazy. <laughs> I did not like the RVD interference. That was stupid. Yeah. There wasn't any reason for it. Um, and, I mean, hell, I, and of course, Dreamer had to come out, too, because Dreamer gets to you know he's got to back up his old buddy. If uh, um, if you don't like run-ins and main events, I don't think you're going to really enjoy much of ECW, brother. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, well, I wasn't in this in this particular match. It, it bothered me. It's like the idea of like a run-in during a cage match. It's like the whole point is like they're contained. Correct. Because yeah, yeah. like, trust me, I love ECW, and I'm used to like I, I'm watching right now. I'm used to the run-ins. Like the the average run-in doesn't bother me. This this did because it's a fucking barbed wire match and like Sabu's biceps hang out of his arm. You he's know so I mean? performative like, too, man. I know that's like yeah. his shtick, Van Dam, but like you're doing a run in a barbed wire match, dude. Like yeah. <laughs> there's some urgency, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, but like fair point from Alex. So yeah, if 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 you're not a fan of run-ins, <laughs> uh, main event matches, ECW's not for you because uh, that was like. You know, I mean, every Raven match has 17 run-ins. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, those Raven World Title matches are, are a slog in some aspects. Yeah. Um, 
not to steal the floor, but I did have in my notes here because I wanted to ask y'all because I don't think we've ever talked about this, and I don't know when it will come back up on here. Joey Styles, fan, not? What do you think of him? I'm absolutely not a fan, but I thought he was actually quite good here, to be totally honest. I don't mind Joey, like, broadly, but there are certain there are certain things that he does. I just did, like, the dusty slur there. There, there are certain <laughs> things that he does that are just – horribly annoying yeah, he um, but he was he was very good in this match yes yeah his he doesn't do much of his shtick he like mm-hmm. he was the original morrow like in mm-hmm. terms of like <laughs> making Somebody sure you likes. knew mm-hmm. how he wanted to make sure you knew how much he knew bob i guess your experience with joey styles would have been like when he was part of the raw announce team right yeah yeah he was bad there um yeah he did not work well with others no <laughs> He did that promo that someone like tweets every time WWE does ain't bad, right? Like WWE yeah. will cut so I was like, remember when Joey Styles called him out on this in 06? It's like no yeah, it certainly wasn't <laughs> scripted or you know part of the show or anything. Yeah. <laughs> He's just short from the hip, brother. You know, he's live on TV as well is. Um but yeah, I, I don't know. He's he's a he's a quiet a shot at Joe guys. there. Sorry, bud. What'd you say? I said I said I took a shot at you but with your with your moral love. Well hold on. Now you're being spiteful. There's no more I love. I just I have too much affinity for Pride Fighting Championships and Strike Force, man. I, I like Mora, you know. That's I, I do too. That doesn't mean that he didn't ruin NXT with his commentary. But like here's here's the thing, man, you have to realize. I do a show Oracle, Bob, and Confirm Confirm Shoot watched he watched the Spanish feed to avoid Moro. <laughs> Someone has to balance it. I mean, I like, you know, he had some great calls back in the day. Yeah, NXT, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would rather just blame Adam Cole. That's my general approach. So it's kind of I can I can avoid that one, you know. He's <laughs> oh. he's a uh, look. You're, everything you say about him is true. It's just yeah. I am. This is going to turn a different podcast. The one thing I say about Moro is and Joey Styles for that matter. I do think there are saints to be said for announcers who like we all have an opinion on. Mm-hmm. Which, if we're being honest with ourselves, is increasingly rare because I don't know if you've seen like the new crop of lead announcers in wrestling but they're just dudes you can't split them from each other yeah, like there's 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 one guy named dylan hales just a dude <laughs> guy who he ever beat right <laughs> but, um, I don't yeah know. i'll roll with that take as far as matt striker matt striker was bad that's i will say there that about him there you go bob matt striker i'm marking out yeah, bro <laughs> he's bad too don cena's free <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Anyway, enough about Mora. Anyone ever say anything about this match? <laughs> it's uh it this and Kimono Wanalea stripping are like the two top ECW video sellers in terms of like they just pumped it out. And yeah. you think about man, that aesthetic of that ninety seven ECW arena is just so iconic to me, but you think about where both companies were at this time there. Yeah, of course people saw this and that's why ECW cultivated like the rabid fan base. It did. Mm-hmm. Obviously Austin was ju- this is, you know, August of 97. So Austin isn't riding Zambonis to the ring and going crazy yet. WCW uh, was Luger doing just well. About a few days before. Yeah. 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 They, they hadn't dropped the ball yet, but still it was like, if you were looking for something different, this would definitely be it. And I think, it's just so fascinating that it was Terry Funk. I mean, he had a lot of matches in ECW where he did a lot of shit he really didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 
what we just said, like the, this whole discussion, the story of this match and it's kind of just spot in history is more interesting than the actual match itself. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a good way to put a bow on it. Now, this this kind of, this forget just the 90s, just do the rest of Terry's career, 90s and on. Great matches you'd recommend. This throws man. So you mentioned the Anita match earlier. The Anita match is great, right? Like, that's the, uh, I... We lost Joe there for a minute. He's Bobby back. brought up earlier, my back. Bobby brought up earlier, um, the one night stand deal, which mm-hmm. is probably his last great match, right? You would say, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, World one's coming, I believe. <laughs> uh, he had a match with on Raw with Foley that was like a street. Oh, ninety eight, yeah, fucking yeah. Rule. with um, Austin on commentary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, what's the son of a bitch doing? And like Terry, <laughs> you know, God bless him, does like a, a half turn moonsault onto Foley and <laughs> yeah. So, a gaggle of people again it's not one of the greatest matches you'll ever see but you need to see the triple threat and the main event from one uh barely legal once just like terry mm-hmm. and everything he does in that um y'all are think you're gonna think i'm lying sold out 2000 terry funk versus kevin nash is amazing it's like this five minute just insane brawl uh that it it doesn't feel like it should exist but it does fair that's fair and some of those hardcore matches are genuinely fun too. They're like the yeah. only thing with life in 2000 WCW, which is that says a that lot about the Canyon as he cutters random people out in the true. Yeah, dude, the <laughs> WrestleMania 14 tag match is really good too. Foley oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. Funk against the Outlaws. Uh, Funk takes this horrifying bump into a dumpster that has nothing in it. It's just an MC dumpster, and the Outlaws powerbomb him from the apron just into it. Yeah. It, that match fucked him up, man. I think it was like a, there was something like a shovel that like fucked him up forever. Like it like changed the shape of his body because he he landed so hard and it fucked him up pretty bad. There's one thing they do in that match too, where uh, Billy Gunn and Cactus fall off the top of the ladder into the dumpster. It could have killed them both if they were yeah. off by like an inch and hit their head or their neck. It would have killed them. That's one of those crazy spots that no one remembers. That like is fucking. As soon as you think about, it, you realize how crazy it is, right? Like, there's yeah. such little room to operate, but yeah. yeah. That match is a lot of fun, absolutely. Um, any others, or is that about about cover this kind of portion of Terry's career, the later end of Terry's career? About it, right? The Taker Foley Hell in a Cell, he gets choke slammed out of his shoes. That's yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that is tremendous. Very fair. All right, now we've talked about all six matches. Let's do some some ranking here, as always. Um, this is gonna be difficult, I think, on the the kind of top half. I'll start with you, Bobby. What was your favorite of these matches? Um, I had the tag match at number one. Okay. Oracle, Coastline? Yeah, I think so. Alex, what do you think? Are we going with the tag match for the top spot? Yeah, it'd probably either be that or the Flair match, but I'm I'm content with that tag match, yeah. Flair would be my second two. Oracle, what do you think? That would probably be my third, I'd probably have War Games at two. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm fine with that at two. Bobby, what do you think? Flare at two? Yeah, I'd flare at two. My God, Bobby, who you go free? Uh, three, I had the um, two out of three falls match, which was Jumbo. Yeah. That's fair. Bob. I know, Oracle, you go War Games, Alex. What about you? Bob, can you just say Jumbo Saruta for me? Jumbo Saruta. Hell yeah. There we go. Um, <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, it, 
that war games one I really enjoyed more than I remembered. But uh, yeah, my rankings were I had those back to back the jumbo and the war games. All right, so we're finally going to put Oracle's beloved war games, which we all love too. We're going to put that in at the four spot, right? That's yeah, fine. fine. Mm. I mean, it speaks more to the quality because we're about to put the empty arena match in, <laughs> in yeah. here, and uh, yeah. we we all said that's one of the greatest things in wrestling history. But I yeah, guess it's, it's, not like it's, it. it's tough to rate as a match. I guess I was thinking of the, with my match hat on. Um, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. And then we'll we'll close yeah. with Sabu, right? So mm-hmm. uh, if you, again, if you watched this show and you enjoyed it, but you haven't seen the matches, um, choices were made. But even still, one to six, the tag match, the Ric Flair match, Jumbo War Games, Empty Arena, and finally Sabu. I think easily the best lineup of matches we've done. Like all yeah. of them have a very real value and a certain quality of you probably should see this as a fan of wrestling, which is, I don't think in the case though, there's been a couple where it was kind of like, you can miss this one, you know? Um, so let's put a bow on it. Terry Funk, how old is Terry today? 78, is he? I want to say. Yeah, I think that's I what I read. Yeah, wow. I, I didn't see enough tweets about Terry Funk today, by the way. That was a shame. Um, someone changed that. Bob, you got to follow him. Tweet some stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> genuinely we all throw around goat a lot and like whether he is or isn't yours he is a genuine candidate which is you know extraordinary to think about the, the degree of great wrestlers that have come and gone he's one of the finest ever in terms of longevity he's basically unmatched in terms of range he's basically unmatched um just a remarkable pro wrestler with a remarkable body of work and again as i said earlier he's one of those guys the deeper you dig the more you'll kind of enjoy him and there's a certain adoration and admiration that you kind of find for him the, the deeper you go. He's just there's a charm of Terry Funk that's very special and unique to him. Um, Alex, any final thoughts on Terry before we look ahead to next month? Uh, I mean, we covered a lot of it. I did yeah. want to throw out, I'm sorry, I forgot. Uh, if you've never seen his match with Brett from his 97 retirement yes. show, that's a really mm. good match as well. Yeah. Um, a wrestler with literally a catalog like no other. You know, there's a lot of wrestlers from his era that you know, all kind of tangled with the same folks and kind of have similar bodies of work. And but you look at Terry and, you know, he was wrestling Johnny the Bull Stamboli in 2000 after, you know, in the 70s working Jumbo and stuff like that. It's um, he also it's cliche to say, but he figured it out. He worked in every era uh, and he figured out how to work in every era without mm-hmm. it. Like he never like it never seemed out of place. Like, uh, it never seemed like he was trying too hard to do something. Like, when Flair would do, like, thumbtack spots and stuff, it's like, dude, what are you doing? Come on, man. <laughs> just, like, stuff like that. Funk just, he just always seemed crazy, and it would seem like something he would do. And, um, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody you have to have him at number one, but he absolutely has to be in the discussion as, you know, one of the greatest that's ever done it. He just, he got it on a level that not yeah. many have. And. A big part of that was, and it's a part of his legacy, he was so open-minded about wrestling and what it can be. And that's what allowed him to, at 53, do some of the crazy shit he did, right? Or whether you know he's smart or not, <laughs> it makes him special in that way. I mean, there's a great portion in his book where he talks about they had him out to a Raw in around 2004, and he talks about how, like, he's talking, he's, he mentions Randy Orton and a couple of guys, and he's like, I was sitting close enough. I saw him. Those guys were doing the dance. Wrestling's still happening out there somewhere. It's like, dude, do you know how hard it is to wrestle for 50 fucking years and still pop for some random, like, Randy Orton match on Raw? You know? <laughs> he just he was open-minded. He never was one of those guys who kind of, you know, resented what it became. He accepted for what it was. Bobby, I know you're the one who came in this with the least experienced Terry Funk. Impressed by what you saw in this uh, in this run here? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to check out more of his stuff, and I think that's kind of the goal that you're looking for when you do these. Absolutely, Oracle. Any final thoughts on Terry before we look ahead to July? Happy birthday, Terry Funk. Absolutely. Forever. 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 All right, let's do July. Um, there are some interesting names for July. There's one name that's very funny that I um, think should be on the floor, but I was a coward and left him off. But I'll, get, I'll present him as an option and allow you guys to decide if you should be on the poll. When I say the first name, you're going to know who's going to win anyway, so we'll get to it. July. Brett the Hitman Hart, mm-hmm. who is almost certainly going to win the poll because fairly, I, mean, I love Brett, but he has had like a full Twitter rebrand in recent years, so he's going to get like 90% of the votes. But Brett rules. Um, Brock Lesnar. Bob, I'm going to give you a chance to do the hard sell on that. Shawn Michaels and Triple H. I am willing, we can make a team, team meeting here, I will switch out Triple H for Kevin Nash because I think it could be one of the funniest episodes ever. Hmm. Um, because there are like some good matches, but there's also some really weird stuff that we could <laughs> we could find. So um, we can do that. But before we get into any of that, instinctual pick, Bobby, I'll give you a chance first to, to sell while Brock. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, the big thing is now that it's been 20 years since that first run, I think a lot of it's kind of been lost on people. And there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, you know, and I, I was thinking to myself, like, can you get three X out of it? And yeah, I mean, you got the first run and then he's kind of become different in the two halves of the second run. Yeah, I think so. Um, so I think there's enough there. I don't think he's going to win, but uh, we could definitely get a lot of good stuff out of it. He's the second best candidate, I think. Yeah. Like, I think to me, mm-hmm. they didn't push him that strongly. Came out like Triple H beat him and shit. You know, I've seen a beat him in his first match back, but then, yeah. Post-Taker, he's like the ultimate destroyer. Um, Triple H, they had that cage match, remember, where Triple H yeah. camouflaged a sledgehammer and silver to it so he could... Yeah. <laughs> Alex, is that your way of telling us that you're picking Triple H to be the Green Grout of the next one? <laughs> well, I do need to call out here, all pro Joe in the comments uh, mentioned the Triple H, Kevin Nash, Hell in a Cell. I legitimately think that is like the single most underrated match of the Ruthless Aggression era. It is so... It's very good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. good. Uh, I, I mean... I can recite a lot of Brett's work page and verse. Um, I'm going to be a very bitter man if we end up talking about Shawn Michaels. Uh, but uh, yeah, Brock, man, there's a lot there. Like uh, Bob was just saying, a lot of people forget like all the shit he did, like like in the, the first run, like all the people he wrestled and like the different, he was having those bangers with RVD and his match with the mm-hmm. rock was great. And you know, all the stuff with angle, there's um, a really good hidden gem where it, well, hidden for a reason it's brock and benny against team angle from a pay-per-view that's absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. uh so i think <laughs> sorry it, it, i didn't remember who else was in it until i started talking but uh, i think those options all could lead to some good matches with sean if we if okay if we get sean my one request is we do the the nash um no holds barred match that that would be my only yeah that that's fair be. I just wanted the reason we popped that so much was last night we did a show that was went off the rails a little bit and there was a few mentions of, of Benny as you incredibly put it. Um and we were saying Alex is on tomorrow, we can't burn all the Benny River. It's like doing his finish, you know. <laughs> Everyone's kicking out of his finish. But I was thinking he's two hours in, he's not said Benny, and then there we go. It's just very, very good. Um Oracle, which way are you leaning on this for uh, next month? Oh Brett. Yeah. Feels like it's gonna be Brett anyway, right? 
Who should I replace on the poll with Kevin Nash? Sean or Triple H? Triple H. Triple H. Uh, yeah. um, if we, if and when Brett wins, please don't make me watch the SummerSlam '92 match again. I've seen that way too many times for yeah. my life. Fair. It's like the only historic wrestling moment we've had in the last thirty years over here, man. Let us oh, live, you know. That's fair. You know, I like pretend I was there <laughs> five years before I was born. Marty Skrull <laughs> headlined a pay per view. You guys had that one too. <laughs> wow, Benny followed by Skrull. Jesus, swinging for the fences out the door here. I know, going um, out with the bang. Yeah, incredible. All right, let's take it home. Uh, Bobby, any plugs, promotions, and such? Um, no, I don't think so. What are we? We got a Money in the Bank preview tomorrow night, I think, during SmackDown, and then the Late Night Grin, and I think that's about it for the weekend. Uh, yeah, it's a lot ahead. I'll cover the rest, Bobby. That's your that's your bookings. Your yeah. Um, the Oracle of Wrestling. You have a big show next Tuesday, brother. Did you see the graphic? Oh, the graphic oh, is amazing. Outstanding. Yes. Uh, School of Wrestling. Yes. On Tuesday evening sometime. I haven't quite carved out the time yet. Uh, be covering Classic Lucha. Three matches. I'll be announcing them now. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I am. From September 23rd, 1983, MS1 versus Sangri Shikana. My God. Bloodbath. One of the greatest Fair. matches of all time. I respect it. The next match... Lucha title match. El Satanico versus Grand Cochise, September 14th, 1984. As you can tell, my Spanish is terrible. Forgive me. I was impressed. And then final match. Trio's match from AAA, March 17th, 1985. Rey Mysterio Jr., El Hijo de Santo, and Octagon versus Psychosis, Blue Panther, and Fuerza Guerrera. Holy shit. Trio's match. That sounds fucking awesome. Dave rated it five stars, I think. Um, that, so, is that supposed to be a com- like an enhancement or a criticism? Uh, I'd, say I'd say it's an enhancement. <laughs> I'm just missing. I like Dave. Yeah. He doesn't know I am. I, didn't, I don't mean yeah. to send him with friends, but I just you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those are, those are the three matches. We'll we'll you know we'll post it up on the on the Grin account. Whatnot. But uh, hopefully, I can find some some background info and, and and throw that out there there's mm-hmm. there might be some access issues on on some some posts that i know of so kind of want to be uh kind to that if you if you get my drift yes um so i i may i may have to find a way to to you know because it's luch is a uh it's a different game altogether but i'm excited so tuesday school of wrestling uh those three matches Join us tomorrow for the Money in the Bank preview show, about 8 o'clock. The flagship at 11, or as I say, 11.05 or 11.07 Eastern. um, (laughs) Behind the paywall. And then I'm assuming, maybe, possibly, I don't know, we may do a Money in the Bank review at some point early next week. We'll see. Um, Should we try and do it Sunday? Might might not be a bad idea. Uh, Sunday. Sunday. Is it starting early on Saturday, or is it going head to head with the UFC? I have no idea. Bobby? Good question. I think it'll just go head to head because it's already starting early local time. Oof. I just think they because they're on Peacock. I think they just like 
don't care about that stuff anymore, which is yeah. kind of a good rib. I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> you paid us, you deal with the consequences, right? <laughs> the whole thing, doing it in Vegas on a Saturday is yeah. incredible. Now. Well, it's like, it's also, yeah, it's UFC. Like I was, people that don't follow MMA, I was like, they're running against the UFC in UFC's hometown during UFC's WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> it went hey, without Cody, by the way. Yeah, don't remind me. Terrible times. Um, Alex, the Contrarians, and as always, rocking and rolling. Promote it as always, pal. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Contrarian Alex. Uh, film podcasts I do, the Contrarians. Uh, we're on Twitter as well at Contrarian Prime. You can find our website, wearethecontrarians.com. Check that out. That'll have all the info you need on it. Um, what are we doing most recently? We recorded last night. We did Last Action Hero, so that's coming up. That was my first time watching that, and that is a hell of a film. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Um, tell me I'm – follow me on Twitter and tell me that I'm an asshole for calling him Benny, I guess. <laughs> I always see it as your kind of like way of making – softening the blow. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. like uh, we laugh so we don't cry coping type shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it works, but I respect it. It's, not, it's, an, it's an effort. Most more than most of us do, right? We just kind of avoid the thing. But um, yeah. thanks for having me. On... I always, I always love doing this shit, and I oh. love just kind of bantering with y'all. And this is always—I look forward to this every month. So I appreciate you guys having me again. Always a pleasure, absolutely. Um, folks, if you're watching this on the YouTube, or if you're watching it on Twitch, it's about to be July. If you're on YouTube, it is July. And if you're watching this, thinking this is pretty good, I like these guys. Well. You're in luck because these guys, well, three of these guys, <laughs> it's for Alex and his own Patreon thing because it's great, but three of these guys plus another guy, sometimes a girl, we do a wrestling podcast every Friday night with Late Night Grim. It goes three to four hours. We have absolutely nothing left to talk about. I've done 45 episodes. Um, Bob has told me he has a monologue plan for this week's show that he tends to go 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Other yes. things happen, right, Bob? So, yep. um, I believe that's about politics and wrestling, you said? Right, um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so sign up late night grin. Sign up for late night grin, folks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. One dollar will get you that. Uh, Oracle, you're tremendously useful in that regard. Like Stephanie, and when I get, whenever I come back, I just hear you saying what I was about to say. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so, um, we hope you've enjoyed this. It's it's always a lot of fun to do these uh, these grin grouters. And next month, we look forward to doing Bret Hart because we're definitely going to be doing Bret Hart. That's fine with me. Uh, support Alex. LateNightGrin.com, as I said. Contrarians podcast. Got me through a couple of plane rides on my vacation, by the way. It's the Contrarians. Oh. Deep catalog, brother. You know, deep catalog. Sitting there pumping my fist at the semi-pro praise. Good stuff. Very, very good. <laughs> it's a conversation for another day. Um, keep grinning. In the meantime, enjoy this outro. All out.